Three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here on the program. We'll continue to talk about uh, all the forecasting of the uh, SEC meetings coming up next week in Destin. We'll talk with David Waters, uh, Gators Breakdown. Uh, what does he think about a best-case scenario for scheduling in the SEC? What what game would he be willing to let go off the schedule if you can't you know, obviously keep everything? We'll get to, uh, to him with that. Also, Chris Gordy, Locked on the SEC Podcast. We'll get the latest with Jimbo and Saban. Obviously, uh, you know, Nick came out and uh, Coach Saban uh, came out and apologized uh, for what he said. And Jimbo said, <laughs> well, don't matter. I'm sticking with what I said. So not backing down uh, off of that. We'll get his thoughts on would the SEC do an SEC-only playoff? Is that a bluff? And more. We'll get to that with him. Also uh, set a chat with Rich Tiles at the Back Nine Boys Golf Show for the PGA Championship. Justin Thomas winning in a playoff there as well. We'll talk a little Falcons football as well, Ben. So a lot to get to out here on the show. Uh, as you know, we're getting down towards the end of May, June 1. A lot of transactional things happening in the National Football League. We'll talk about that with the Falcons in just a little bit. But we've got the Braves coming up a little bit later tonight with the Phillies. 6.05, Max Fried going against Kyle Gibson. A must-win game for the Braves, who, again, haven't won three games in a row yet. Yep. Uh, lost last night 7-3, to striking out again way too much. 12 Ks last night. Everybody but Travis Darno in the lineup had a strikeout. That's not good. Uh, your fifth starter spot continues to be a problem, even though a lot of people are, a lot of us sidewalk uh, fans on the, the internet, because we're, we're the smart ones. Hey, a lot of people out there probably think, look, why is Brian Snicker the manager of the Braves? I could do it. Just look at how good I tweet. But they're uh, obviously calling for a, <laughs> a, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You're and you know, and what did I say that was they, wrong? You know that's what they think. At least, uh, no, 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 no. Or, or, or they'll they say, hey, put so-and-so in there. See, I told, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Listen, uh, what is this? What Tuesday? What Tuesday morning quarterback and all these different things? It it all it always looks easier from the stands. It always looks easier from where you're sitting. But when you got to make when you got to make yeah, I don't know game time decisions. I don't know in the game, it's it's easier said than done. But Kevin, it's this Braves team, like we mentioned, it's about rhythm. It's about being comfortable. It's about it's about being able to put 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 a couple of good innings together. Because I don't know what it is about baseball this year. You know, one inning, I mean, it used to be, yeah, man, you know, they was able to get like a, you know, it was it was tied up and then bottom of the eighth. No, teams be scoring five or six runs <laughs> in one inning. It's almost like yeah, that inning got away from me. You think? And I think that's the thing about this Braves team is no, they're not built to come from behind. They don't got that late game heroics that they, they, we seen like a couple of years ago. I think what happens is the Braves need to know. Don't look at what teams do or don't do with others when they're not playing y'all. Y'all are the defending world champs. Y'all have ran through this division the last four years. Y'all have a target on y'all back every single outing. So I do think that while the Braves are going to get it together, you're going to have those those head scratches. But you know, hopefully, old Max Free to get us back, get the Braves back into the win, you know, to the winner's circle. But I just think that, you know, last night was just, like I said, Kevin, it's, it's going to be, I mean, 12 strikeouts, it's going to be hard to do anything. It's going to be hard to do anything when you, know, you, when you don't have good plate appearances. So I do think that, you know, uh, that fifth spot, in the, you know, that fifth spot is, is going to be, you know, that star rotation is going to be up for grabs. But I, I, I don't panic. I think that when you talk about this Braves team, some of these teams want to have a bunch of get back, man. They're saying, look, man, 
this is a Braves team that's very, very dangerous. And we know maybe maybe the strategy against the Braves is you got to get on them early because if you leave any life with that, the bullpen is better when they have leads. Starting pitching is better when they have leads. That's just that's just how it goes. And when they're, you know, but when you say, hey, man, that one inning, I mean, he gave up four. It's going to be hard because now, Kevin, I mean, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, anytime that starter gets pulled early, well, now you're going to your bullpen much earlier than you want to. Now, guys who weren't expected to pitch might have to pitch, and then you already had a freaking catcher and you know, in the, in the outfield already. So just last night was just one of those games, but hopefully you get back to your winning ways tonight. Certainly, and again, I think this is going to be uh, one for the Braves where it seems like Max Reed always comes up in this, well, the Braves can't really afford to lose. Uh, and again, I, I think people are starting to look at it, and you see the Mets inching and inching away. The Mets are up nine. Uh, games on the Braves, and people are, are starting to get panicked. I, I, I see those, oh, the, the Mets are nine games out there. Look, I'm not saying the Mets are not a good a good baseball team, but again, I think it's more in line of keep in focus what you're trying to do. Two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, and you'll start to chisel away at that uh, no matter what you do, and you're in that stretch of games that we talked about where you should be successful. I, I firmly believe that, Ben, if you get through the end, of June 20th, which is a couple of weeks away from the All-Star break. And this Braves team has still not won three games in a row. This Braves team has lost more series uh, during this stretch than it's won. Okay, then I think it's very much at the point we say something is amiss uh, with this baseball team. I still think it's recoverable. I still think it's uh, salvageable, uh, the season here. But you start looking at the Mets. I Need I remind you, I know everybody likes when you bring up painful Braves memories uh, on the show. You know, it's like, hey, Remember when they gave up 10 runs in one inning? Like, mm-hmm. that, Remember the infield fly rule that wasn't? No, like the painful Braves memories that are out there. Uh, most of you who are listening have been alive at a time when the Braves blew a lead in September and did not win the division and I believe did not make the playoffs. Anybody want to take a stab as to how many games they blew in one month? I mean, hold on, because I, I think this is what you always reference. I think, what was it? I mean, it was double digits, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. They blew an eight-game lead. Had an eight-game lead on September 1 and blew it. Mm. So I'm not saying it's a good thing that the Mets are nine games out there. Look, I'm, nobody's saying that. I'm not going to come on here and say, hey, Brace fans, it's fine. <laughs> the Mets are up there. Yeah. But I'm saying, look, things have happened over the course of a baseball season that, that are crazy. Yes. No you, to say. I think I think everybody looked at this Braves team. And again, I think I will always point to this. And again, over 162, if I'm proven to be wrong, then you know that's what it is. This is a better team than they are playing. Right. Yes. Like right now. I, look, th- this team that the Braves are putting out is better than what the results are showing. And when you have that, oftentimes, Ben, uh, you will see a turnaround at some point. You will see progress in the right direction. I think sometimes we look at stuff, and that becomes uh, you. You're a big fan of narratives and talking points, and how that affects. I think the more people start breaking up, well, we still haven't won three games in a row. You still, then people start to think about that. You know, when you get into some kind of you know crazy streak, people start to think about that. And I just look at this team and go, look, this is a team that is not playing their best baseball right now. Like they are not. Might the Mets be playing their best baseball right now? Over the course of 162, we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we I've seen a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates leading the Central Division at the All-Star break. Le- I'm going to say it again. Leading the Central Division at the All-Star break. This was maybe eight, nine years ago. And everybody said, oh, man, the Pirates off to a great start. Might they be this year's st- you know, story in baseball? 
not expected to do much, playing really well, leading the division, finished last. Went from leading the division to dead last in the division over the final stretch. That's why it's a long baseball season. Things happen. People get uh, you know upset about this and that. Things that would concern me, Ben, if I'm a Braves fan, they strike out an awful lot. Yeah. I've never been a fan of strikeouts don't matter. I know uh, I've had conversations about this with BJ where he's like, look, strikeouts don't matter if you can hit the ball over the fence. No, I, I think you need to be able to hit the ball over the fence and strikeouts do matter because they're bad outs. Nothing happens. You require no pressure of the defense. You require nothing, nothing happens. It's a, it's a bad at bat. I think strikeouts do matter. This team strikes out way too much. 12 again last night. I think uh, and it probably has gotten worse since uh, I heard it referenced. I want to say Christian mentioned this on second down maybe last week. Braves are averaging nine strikeouts a game. Now, if you're saying they're averaging nine, ten strikeouts a game as a pitching staff, okay, <laughs> I'll take that. When you say the batting lineup is averaging nine strikeouts a game, that's a lot of non, that's a third of the time. Last night, 12. But nine a game, that's a third of the game. You're doing nothing. That's rough. Right, but you go up there, think about this. The first three innings, on average, if you want to look at it this way, are just a waste. And you only have six innings with which to do anything. Uh, uh, productive offensively. Way too many strikeouts. That is something that I think has to change. No, no, Kevin, no. The, the, one, the, one, thing, the one thing about baseball is, as you mentioned, we understand it's a game of, it's a, it's a game of failure. But when you start talking about averaging nine strikeouts, that means that's a bunch of guys pressing. Sure. It's one thing to have, okay, with Dansby Swanson, we get it. If I got one or two guys, I get it. But that means that everybody's trying to be like, hey, man, I want, I'm going to be that guy today. Yeah, but I need quality plate appearances. I mean, we're not putting the ball in the you know, we're not putting the ball in play. This yeah. is the majors. And I think the thing about it is, is until they can put the ball in play consistently, I don't want to hit a hit the ball of and <laughs> so so what? So every what every six, every ten at bats, you give me a homer? No, put the ball in play. Uh, cause these pitchers are gonna start saying they chasing everything though. Like I don't even got to I put. I, I was always told that a, a great hitter puts pressure on these pitchers. But if I'm chasing everything, yeah. If I can't listen, you don't want to get that boy. He can't hit the broad side of a barn right now. It's <laughs> rough. But I do think that Kevin, the thing about the thing about the pros, whether that's any level, especially the big the big leagues, figure it out. You but you done enough baseball to know figure it out and. And I think the thing about this Braves team is, once again, the only thing the Braves haven't done yet is been a wild card to get in because they've always <laughs> won the division. Now, I'm not calling for no wild card because yeah. there's too many things that go against you. Now you start talking about records, and but I don't want to do that. But if this Braves team can put it, because I don't care what nobody say. I know you Mets fans out there. <laughs> I know one in particular. The Braves just got to start chipping. You don't get, you don't go being from nine down to, you know, the top. No, you just chip away at it. Because the Mets know, the last thing the Mets know, we gotta keep we gotta keep sure. distance between us and the Braves. But Kevin, like you mentioned, listen, control what you can control. Have something to play for going into the All Star break. You know, start finding that rhythm after the All Star break. Because while Degrom and Scherzer and company are out, you might want to try to take advantage of that because those guys are gonna come back and yeah. that's gonna make the Mets that much more. Yeah, dangerous. you got a weak schedule right now, and as you said, the Mets are missing three of their starting five pitchers in that rotation. we got a lot to get to, a lot to cover today here on the show. David Waters will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. When we come back, could uh, the end of the line be coming for one? Atlanta Falcon, we'll talk about that when we return. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and excited to be back on YouTube as well, at ESPN Coastal on YouTube. You can uh, watch the show live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube every day as well. Like and subscribe there on YouTube, and you'll get a notification every time uh, that we go live here on the show. So always a good spot uh, to catch three now. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, going to join us. We'll talk about the SEC meetings and Destin coming up next week, and a lot of change probably expected to come out of that, including what the SEC is going to look like once Texas and uh, Oklahoma get in there. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, Ben, a lot of talk about the future of the Falcons roster and what it looks like in one Falcon who could be on his way out, uh, even referenced in an article by Jeff Schultz on The Athletic, Deion Jones on his way out. I know you talked about him a lot last year saying he just wasn't good at times. Uh, certainly had peaked a couple of years ago and has not been the same. A lot of talk, a lot of speculation that the Atlanta Falcons waiting till June 1. And you say, well, if you don't want him, why would you trade him? Well, after June 1, uh, it lessens your cap hit. You can trade him after June 1, and you would only be hit with $5 million in dead cap money uh, if that happens. So there is a savings in place if you can wait another week and a half, uh, basically, to get to, uh, to June 1. So, Ben, is that the likely scenario? Do the Falcons have enough at linebacker, even though... I guess you could look at it. This is the dirty word in Flowery Branch, the rebuild. Uh, I mean, do they have enough? We'll see. We'll see, right? Think about, think about the Falcons for a second. You talk, you talk about a guy in Deion Jones. You know, I, I, as you mentioned, Kevin, I mean, coming out of LSU, so what, second-round pick, was a pro bowler. I mean, very, very versatile when you look at what they, what you, what they want linebackers to do now. You know, 6'1", 220, can run. Hit everything that moves, can cover out the you know, can cover running backs, tight ends out the backfield, was just was just an all-around, you know, incredible player. And then what started happening was he didn't have a lot of help around him, right? But what hurt Deion Jones was the lead leading tackler was right beside him last year. He's no longer with Atlanta. Now he's moved on to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the thing is, Kevin, you talked about it. That hit, that cap hit. You will get cut quicker. You will get cut quicker in the National Football League for making too much money than being a bad player. I'm gonna say that again. You will get cut quicker for making too much money than being a bad player. Deion Jones not a bad player. I mean, he's a quality football player, but for that price, mm-mm. because what happens is I go well. Listen, a guy that was still I think under a rookie contract, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, led the league in tackles. Now, leading the league in tackles on a bad team means number one, you can't get off the field. That means you on the field a lot. Problem is, Dion didn't lead the league in tackles when he was up there. So I do think, Kevin, and this is a new thing, right? I remember when, you know, before age of social media, if I got cut, it was a surprise. Because I got cut. And it was a surprise. My brother told me, boy, you just got let go by Tampa Bay. No, I didn't. I just played on Sunday. I was just, you know, uh, watching the film on Monday. I, what? This is my off day. Well, you off, off. This ain't your off day. You done. And then, and then I go back home and they had let me go. Now, I wasn't. I am not comparing myself to Deion Jones as a player, but and my salary cap hit wasn't going to be that big of a hit. But Kevin, you mentioned June first, they say five million dollars, five or it's five million dollars dead money. So that means that Deion Jones is, is roughly you know a double digit guy in the millies on the team. How much? Remember when we kept saying twenty twenty three they're going to have a lot of money to work with? Julio Jones off. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Matty Ice gone, Deion Jones gone. Now they read up Grady Jarrett. Well, he's not officially gone, but, not I mean, officially but it gone. looks like it's headed that yeah, way. Yeah, but I, I think the thing about Deion Jones is 
he understands. He's been in the league long enough to know, man, I'm looking at the defense around me. I remember when I was the youngest guy. Now, I'm one of the old guys, and I think I'm 27, 28. The problem is I got a lot of money hitting the cap, and, and the money has to match the production. And it's not right now. Like I said, Deion Jones was a quality player. I remember this, though. I was at, what is it, two years ago now? I'm at Falcons versus the Rams at home in the Dome. I watched Jared Goff go, shake Deion Jones on, like, the 10-yard line, and he went in for a touchdown. I said, wait a minute. I mean, I, Jared Goff shook Deion Jones, who has to tackle guys like Alvin Kamara, Right? And you know, I mean, I mean, you know, McCaffrey and company, and he got shook. Now this is two years ago. Sometimes because of the money that they gave him, they want to give him a chance to say, I mean, let us let us try to look good. And off the blank, give him a lot of credit, man. He's a very very loyal owner. Sure, but you know, just like I know, Kevin, I say this all the time. If it's close, I'm going with the young guy because the veteran is supposed to be miles and miles ahead of the young guys. Well, the league leading tackler is no longer a Falcon. The guy who we owe probably ten mil. While he's good, he's not great. And it's Deion Jones. I think they owe him a little bit more than that. I think he's got two years left on his deal. I think he would get $9 million this year, $11 million next well, year. So about $20 million well, total. Well, I would think, okay, so, so think about it. Two years, roughly two years, $20 million, right? Is Deion Jones even considered a top 10, top 15 linebacker? And the answer is no. Notice I said consider. If you go De- – I remember when you say Deion – oh, yeah, man, one of the best young linebackers in the National Football League. Now, I mean, we know who Deion Jones is. Right, daddy named him after Deion Sanders. Got the name Debo because of Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson. Boy, that was some, them, them some names right there. Boy, Debo, and you come from Deion and Bo Jackson. But I, listen, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I, we gonna miss him because that veteran leadership. Sometimes you know you can't quantify it with a number, but you know just like I know Kevin, we don't mention Deion Jones. Like I know it's all about the D line, D line, D line, D line. But when teams decide to run the football, go to the first game of the year against Philly. Jalen Hurts is running all over the field. He is all over the field. Why? Because they put Deion Jones on the spine. Yeah, well, how did that work out? So I think that Deion Jones still got something left in the tank, but the, the business of football will always supersede everything else. As you mentioned, Kevin, $9 million for an Asian superstar. And mind you, Asian, and he's going, he's 27. And I'm talking about aging, but the production ain't matching the, the salary, the, the cap hit. So come June 1st, he will be moving on to greener pastures. I don't think he's going to be at Atlanta Falcons. And again, as you said, Ben, Players pay attention to stuff like that and also the draft. Falcons drafted Troy Anderson. You start looking around. They went out and signed uh, Nick Kwiatkowski uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Another linebacker. They brought in a couple other veteran linebackers. If I'm Deion Jones, you look around and going, why do they keep bringing in linebackers? Why do they keep drafting linebackers? Like, don't we have enough? Yep, because they're looking for a replacement, obviously, uh, to you. Uh, and, again, when you talk about a trade, what can you get? For, for Deion Jones, is it just about the money? Is it just about uh, getting him off the books, Ben, uh, versus are you just trying to get a draft pick out of it? Are you trying to get a actual player out of it? As you said, a guy that in the last couple of years, kind of the rap on him is, look, okay, solid linebacker, open field, may not be the best uh, guy to, to, to put out there. How, how do you get value for that? When you're talking about a linebacker, that's what they're supposed to do. Hey, Linebacker, sideline to sideline, you got to cut guys down in the open field so they don't get to the next level. Well, he struggles with that some, as you said. H- how do you get value for that? I, I, no, you always going to have somebody willing to pick up. It's not so. It's not so much people ain't willing to uh, pick him up. They don't want to pick up that salary. That's nine million dollars. But this is the thing, right? If you are Deion Jones, remember I say he's six one, about two twenty. 
But Troy Anderson is about 6'4", 240. So, they, so, they, so the one thing that Deion Jones, the one thing he utilized when he first got in the league, he's quick. So he don't let them old, old linemen get on him because I got to be able to get up. And, well, I mean, he ain't as swift as he used to be. And sometimes, you know, the injury bug and just being able to have that durability. People go, well, why do I want a bigger, stronger linebacker to deal with, to deal with what's coming at him? 6'4", 240, that means that Troy Anderson is three inches taller and, 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 and almost 20, 20 pounds heavier. And he's young. 23 and 27 when one is coming fresh out of – now, Montana State, now, I don't know what Montana is. I know it's <laughs> way out there in the West. Don't, don't get me to – we ain't getting – we don't do, we don't do, we don't do uh, math on the show, and, I, and we don't do ge- geographic locations anywhere outside of the Southeast. But I will say this, Kevin – I know the I know the young man in Montana State is good because I didn't know Montana State was putting out second rounders, but but I be but Terry Font I mean uh, you know Font knowing a uh, company they uh they trust in their scouting department, and he's under a rookie deal. So I think if they are in the rebuild, which they are, let's try don't, to load don't up. say that don't say that yeah yeah Mr. Matthews, but but <laughs> but but they are trying to load up on young talent. They bank it on the draft and they saying in twenty twenty three if we can just. Keep it together in 2022. We're going to have some money to go out there and get big-time free agents come 2023. But unfortunately, it was Julio in 2021. It's Matty Ice in 2022. It's going to be Deion Jones in 2022. Dante Fowler in 2022. Grady Jarrett, when he got called to the office, he was scared as hell. He's like, <laughs> what y'all calling me up for, man? Congratulations. We're going to give you a three-year yeah. extension. But, yeah, Kevin, I mean, listen, Deion Jones is going to be missed, man. But I think the salary cap here is just too much. And we'll see. Uh, come June 1, we probably will know pretty quickly what the Falcons' plans are there with Deion Jones, but it certainly appears like he is headed for a trade of some sort to get him off the books. We've got more to get to. We're talking some SEC football. David Waters, Gainers Breakdown, will join us next here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, 3 and Out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Of course, a lot uh, of pre-talk. Going into next week's SEC meetings in Destin about conference, uh, I say realignment, more about scheduling realignment. And, uh, you know, Greg Sankey letting a few things slip probably on purpose about, hey, we could do it. Uh, we're going to talk about an SEC-only tournament uh, playoff at the end of the year. <laughs> Everything's on the table. So there's that uh, going out there. We'll talk about that and more with our next guest from Gators Breakdown. David Waters joins us here on 3 Now. David, welcome. How are you? I'm good, guys. How about you? Hey, we're doing fantastic. Obviously, the SEC meetings are in Destin next week, and you have to change it up somehow, obviously, with two teams coming in in a couple of years, and I would say probably sooner than later, uh, the the less the buyout money gets, uh, Oklahoma Texas might be willing to jump in. What do you think is kind of the best way uh, to go about this? Because obviously, as it is, it can't stay the same if you are worried about rotating through the schools as quickly as possible. Yeah, because we already know with 14 teams, that doesn't work. So, uh, you know, you just you don't get the uh, schedule parity that you should get uh, in the SEC. I mean, last year when Alabama came to Florida, that was the first time in, in 10 years. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, you're in the same conference. Uh, fans and, and the student athletes, the football players out there, should get to see uh, the, the opponents they're in the, in the conference with a, a whole lot more. And now you're adding two teams to the mix, and we know the schedule's going to have to change and of course, we're going to get rid of divisions. There's no way two divisions will work, and that's pretty much come out. And then 
reading this morning, you know, Ross, Ross Dellinger's uh, report from Sports Illustrated, even saying there's not, they're not a big fan of the pod system either. So I, I don't know what the answer will be if it's not pods. Uh, some kind of round robin, maybe. Uh, if you do that, you're going to have to add a whole lot of conference games. And that's going to make the schedule a lot more difficult for these SEC teams, especially the SEC teams that don't recruit at the level of Alabama and Georgia and, and Florida and, and LSU, Auburn, those schools, you know, they'll dominate uh, when you start adding more conference games compared to the Mississippi States and the Vanderbilts and uh, Arkansas as the teams that don't have that recruiting budget uh, the same way these big schools do. So that's the big sticking point right now is what can you do that makes sense for the top echelon of the SEC and the lower bottom half of the SEC, and there's not really any easy answers right now. David, when you think about when you think about a guy like uh, you know, we, when you think about the commissioner Greg Sankey, right? I mean, he's a guy that's cool, calm, and collected. Uh, obviously, the most powerful uh, entity in college football right now. How much do you think he's serious about really just doing every all things SEC, even before Oklahoma and Texas get there, if and when they don't go to a 12-team playoff come, what, 2026? Man, I don't think he's that serious unless some other programs, com- conferences out there don't come up with solutions either. You know, if it's the SEC leading the way and he doesn't get a lot of help from the Big Ten, he doesn't get a lot of help from the Big 12 and the Pac-12, then – you know, why not go maybe even gather a few more teams and, and make the SEC even larger? And you're kind of your own semi-pro league in a way that just has a school to go along with it. So, uh, Greg, thank you. I, I, of course, in the, we know there's a lot going on. Uh, if you go back to last year, SEC media days, and the big announcement Texas and Oklahoma is going to join, he knew that. He knew all that was in play. And then all of a sudden it just drops. And, you know, it, it didn't catch him by surprise at all. Uh, but that had just let you know that, hey, the SEC, those big schools, they were already working on something. They were ahead of the curve. Uh, and I look, there's probably stuff going on that we don't know about right now that Greg Sankey is privy to, that he knows the answers to, has all the information about. Nothing's going to catch him by surprise. And I do think if he doesn't get help from the NCAA, if he doesn't get help from all those other conferences out there, he'll say, you know what, we'll do it ourselves. I don't think it's at that point right now, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he's not prepared, ready to do something like that. But, David, that is like the ultimate power play, right? Because they're, the SEC is the only conference that can pull that off. Everybody else, I believe, has to know that. That uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, hey, we're not serious about it. But to me, this comes off as, you know, if you read some of the stuff Pete Thamel put out and all that, like, he was obviously not happy the 12-team playoff fell apart. Is this just the ultimate power play of guys – 12-team playoff benefits everybody. If not, we're, we'll keep taking two spots, taking double money, and, and that's not good for the overall health of the sport, but we can do that. Is this just simply a power play to say, listen, e- either we need to expand this thing or y'all not going to make it, and we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll do our own thing? I, I do think that's the case. Of, I, I do think in the grand scheme of things, not only does Greg think he want to help the SEC, but with that, I think he wants to help sports. I think he wants to help the game of college football and, and have it survivable for a lot of the other programs out there. I think that's the first move. But I think it is kind of a warning shot. Hey, if we don't get this, this is what we will do. This is what we are willing to do. I'm going to look out for my own schools. I'm going to look out for everybody else, too, at the same time. But if we don't get our way, it doesn't make sense for, 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 for college football as a whole. We are prepared in the SEC to do things our way, and we'll probably take a couple more schools along with us. 
Now, Dave, you you mentioned, okay, you already got Texas, you already got Oklahoma. Just say, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Florida State. Now you got 20 schools, right? Do you think with something, because as you mentioned, we all know, you know, I mean, you know, the cat's out the bag. Mark Emmerich and company, NCAA, we know, hey, man, y'all, outside of handing down rules or, you know, regulations, y'all don't got that much power. While you saying it is a warning shot, he, you know, he wants to be able to bring teams with him. If he do, does indeed get those teams, that wish list that he wants, how much closer do you think it's going to be to here we go? SEC is already crazy. Now you add the potential Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida State. How 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 fast do you think that uh that old breaking news will pop up on the screen then? Ah, Bill, Ben, I think you get to a point to where you know you, you try it with Texas and Oklahoma when when they come in and, and see how it goes. But as we know, this thing's moving oh so fast, uh, and it's really hard to keep up with. And I think you know, a lot of university presidents are really going to look at themselves. I mean, take, take Vanderbilt, for example. Is that something they want to be a part of? We know how big academics are at a school uh, like Vanderbilt and, and schools across the country. Are they going to want to be in that type of arms race? I mean, of course, they love the SEC money and that, that the SEC sports bring, uh, brings to the, to, to, the, to the education side of it as well. But there, there, there has to be a line drawing, and there's, there's going to be a, a look in the mirror of the have and have not. And if you can't go along with it and keep up with all the sports that's on the field, I mean, look, of course this is driven by football. You know, well, what happens to the other sports? If you sit here and say you're going to add Michigan and add Ohio State and Penn State and all these other schools, this is being driven by football. What happens to basketball? What happens to baseball and all those other sports? But I mean, this is driven by football. Is it just completely separate? Is football just its own thing? I mean, there's so many layers. There's so many uh, sticking points to this that's being driven by football. But I think we've got to ask ourselves, too, what happens to just college sports landscapes in general? Uh, so I, I do think there will be a lot of programs, big programs, interested in whatever Greg Sankey comes up with if, if – all those other conferences can't keep up with what the SEC is doing. But I do think, you know, we, we have to look as hopefully it's not a scorched earth uh, with the way college athletics are and you still get the, the, the basketball, the baseball, the gymnastics, all those other sports. And maybe, and maybe they stay the same. Maybe this is just a only football move. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and David, obviously, in the short term, that's, uh, you know, big picture thinking of, uh, hey, we we could do our own playoff and, and all that kind of stuff. But in the short term, we know Texas and Oklahoma are coming. We know the schedules are going to have to change. We asked folks yesterday, obviously, when you the bigger you get, some things have to be put to the side. And that will be, you know, traditional matchups. Obviously, the SEC is steeped in tradition. Are there games that you, obviously, you cover Florida, look at as you got to have? And are there games that you say, well, it is a rivalry, but I'm willing to let it go if you if you have to play uh, more teams more often. It, it, are there games like that that fans would feel very traditional that you might just have to let go? Yeah, I mean, Florida's already been through that. As Ben knows, I mean, Florida used to play Auburn every year. I and mean, we've already, as, as Florida fans and players, had, already had to give up that rivalry because of the expansion uh, back in the day. So, you know, that one was one casualty, but... You know, I can't imagine Florida not playing LSU every year. I can't imagine Florida not playing Tennessee every year. And one of the schedule formats that was put out there was a eight-game, only one permanent, seven rotating. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Florida, Georgia, and that should be the permanent. But I'll miss Florida, Tennessee. I'll miss Florida, LSU. A lot like I miss Florida, Auburn. Especially, yeah, I got used to it, but that's a game I I, I really look forward to uh, back in the day. That will be a casualty to it. So um, I don't like the only one permanent. I mean, we're losing college football tradition, it seems, year by year. Uh, and if you start doing it like this, I mean, look, I, I know it's changing, and you got to change with the times. But there are some things that, that, that stick with the fan base, and it's those rivalries. And college football is built on rivalries. And if you're only giving the SEC teams one permanent opponent, it's going to ruin, uh, I think, a lot of the feel that you have of regionalism in, in college football. And all these rivalries that we have week in and week out in college football, you're going to lose that. And it's, um, I hope money just doesn't get in the way of what made college football special in the first place. But like you said, though, Dave, I mean, you talk about, I mean, Florida fans had to get away from, you know, the Florida-Auburn, and then you, you said you can't imagine the Florida-Tennessee's going away, the Florida-Georgia's going away. But how much of this is saying, look, we were around, you know, I was a Florida, you know, Auburn. Then I was Florida-LSU. How much is this going to be? I mean, we're going to be creating uh, new traditions, not necessarily because of the usual suspects, but because when Oklahoma and Texas come in, you're going to have to develop new rivalries. Yeah, Ben, but, you know, if they are developed new rivalries, you're only going to see them once every other year. Uh, so, granted, you could still create the rivalry in, in that sense, and a lot of rivalries are built on, you know, location and state borders. A lot of them are built on just being in the same conference, playing each other every year. Some of them are based on just because they're big games uh, every year. Uh, you know, just it's top 10, top 15 matchups year in and year out, and the rivalry is built on that as well. So you'll still get your big games. You'll still get that big game feeling. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do like a way of giving more conference games. Uh, the, the other format that's out there, having three permanent and six, uh, six rotating. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it right there. You still get your three permanent opponents. You can still schedule your rivalries, uh, but then you schedule six opponents uh, that flip-flop every, uh, every year. So you still get your rivalries, and you still get to play Texas and Oklahoma every other year uh, if they're not one of the permanent. So uh, I think there's a way to figure it out, uh, but I do want I, I to see the rivalries and more than one rivalry sticking around. All right, David, so feet to the fire then. If you're, if you're going to go with that model, you get three permanents. What are three games you're not willing to let go that you're making those three permanent? I know it gets tricky because everybody will have different ones, but give me your three that as you know, a guy who covers Florida, you're not willing to give up and say, these are the three I got to have, or maybe it's just two and you can figure out another, but what are the games that you're not willing to let go of? Yeah, I think uh, you know, for, for a Gator fan right now, if you were, were looking at just the conference, it's got to be Florida, Georgia. It's got to be Florida, Tennessee, and Florida, LSU. Uh, you know, so, but that, that doesn't make it equal, I know, because if you're the LSU fan, you're probably going to – your three permanents would be what? Alabama, Arkansas, you know, <laughs> and Tennessee. Uh, so, or, uh, um, so just this way – I get it. So the, the – the, uh, the conference will um, not be not uh, not all equal, and that that'd be the, the the sticking point there. But if you're LSU, you know you got to play Alabama, you got to play Ole Miss, you probably got to play Arkansas uh, at the same time, and give up give up some and not play Florida. Uh, so there's no easy way to figure it out. But if I'm a Florida fan, I think you got to see Georgia, you got to see Tennessee, and you want to see that hyped up rivalry, recent rivalry of LSU sticking around as well. And Dave, finally, I mean you you mentioned you mentioned uh, you mentioned LSU. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, obviously Georgia. And uh, you talk about Tennessee. How much of this is going to come down to 
who are the faces of the SEC compared to just being in the SEC. Obviously, Florida going to get to say, we want Georgia, Georgia want us. We want Tennessee, Tennessee want us. We want LSU, LSU want us. Vanderbilt going to say what? Oh, so we still got to take what y'all give us, <laughs> no matter what. How much is this going to come to? Are you a part? Are you a part of the fabric of the SEC, or are you just in the SEC? Yeah, Ben. I, it, realistically, I don't think Florida would get Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU. I, I, I do think they would break the schedule up for all the teams involved uh, to where uh, the schedule has some balance to it. Uh, and Vanderbilt's not playing Alabama and LSU and Texas A&M every year. Uh, you know, I, I do think you know they'll break up the schedule where. Uh, in, in the article I read today, I'll, I'll reference Ross Deliger again. There is a clear top tier of eight and top and a bottom tier of eight. Uh, so they'll they'll work it out uh, somehow that way where the where the schedules are are pretty equal uh, there. So um, Ben, uh, I do think you keep your big rivals. You keep Florida, Georgia. You keep Alabama, Auburn. Uh, you keep Georgia, Auburn some way uh as well but there you go you, you get into it you know is that fair for georgia you have to play florida in auburn every year when other teams don't have a schedule that hard so there's, there's no easy answers but you, to me you've got to you, you got to keep the fabric of the sec you got to keep the rivalries that we know uh in, in love each and every year david waters gators breakdown joining us here on three now david appreciate the time thanks so much thanks guys appreciate it david waters joining us here on three now these are all things going to be talked about at, uh, at the SEC meetings next week, but I'm always interested in talking with SEC fans when you talk about expansion and you say, hey, we continue to be the biggest and the baddest on the block. Well, with that, what are you willing to give up? We talked about that yesterday, man. What are you willing to give up in the name of continuing to be the biggest and the baddest? Because I think college football, as he said, built on rivalries, built on tradition. As it's changed, I think you've lost some of that. All right? Uh, you see Pitt go to the ACC, Penn State go to the Big Ten. They quit playing each other. Yep. All right? Uh, you've seen Notre Dame and Michigan quit playing each other. Why? Well, because we've got all these obligations we got to meet inside the conference, and we just can't play anymore. And the SEC, you have so many games that have become a fabric of the league. Like you said, hey, we'd love to keep it with Bama. Well, well I mean, Alabama's probably sitting over there going, well, we're, we know we got the Iron Bowl. I mean, we can't sit here and say we want LSU and Tennessee, and they want us, and they was like, no, we can't do that. So some of this stuff's going to have to go uh, by the wayside. That's going to be the hard part. For Greg Sankey and company, when they figure out a scheduling option, is saying, look, which ones do we have to have? Which ones are going to have to go bye-bye? We'll come back with more three and outs on the Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out, on this Tuesday. Got the college baseball conference tournaments going on. A little quick note. A lot of talk about uh, Georgia Southern. They're in Statesboro. Uh, I know we... I've looked at Georgia Southern, a baseball program, second seed there uh, at the Sunbelt Tournament. Jared Binko and company putting in a bid to be a regional host. There's only 16 of those for the college baseball tournament. Jared Binko and company there at Georgia Southern putting in a host. A lot of people think they got a good chance of getting one. Uh, ben, I heard some talk earlier today that potentially, if they get one, it could be Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, Georgia, and another team, maybe like a Campbell or something like that in one of the projections. That is would be a fun regional. Talk about bragging rights uh, with three great baseball programs, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern, all right there in Statesboro. would be a hot ticket come uh, NCAA tournament baseball time. we got about 20 seconds. It really, really would. I mean, Jared Bico and coming to man, keep doing an incredible job. But Statesboro will be, uh, you know, a ground zero for the uh, tournament for the baseball. Man, I hope they get it. hope they get it. Yeah, selection show is on yeah. Monday. If they get it, uh, they will be a host. A lot of people think they're in a position 
to earn that. We'll come back, take three around the corner. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to be back here, hour number two. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, thanks for being with us on three and out. Also, uh, across the radio network on ESPNCoastal.com, you can listen to us uh, streaming live, the ESPN app. Uh, you can listen there, or you can uh, see our smiling faces on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can contact us. You can see, see Ben uh, big cheesing for the camera there. <laughs> so uh, we a lot of ways to uh, stay involved with us here on 3 and Out. A lot to get to this hour. We'll look at the NBA playoffs. Why aren't they more interesting? And more. Chris Gordy at Locked On SEC Podcast will join us coming up in the final hour. We'll get the latest on Saban and Jimbo. That could be an interesting stare down across the hall at the SEC meetings next week. So we'll get to that coming up in the final hour of the program. But first, let's take three here on three and out, Ben, shall we? All right. Take one. Got to get my uh, rundown in front of me. Take one. The NFL always looking to create and do things better. Uh, discussing the Pro Bowl weekend and ways to improve it, including just not even having the Pro Bowl game mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Should they just not have the game itself? I, I do No, I do think they should have the game, Kevin, but it should be a real game. You think about it. Any all-star game, whether it's Pop Warner, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school, college, pro, I mean, a made-up All-Star game is going to be competitive. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Everybody's made, you know, everybody's brother-in-law and everybody's made the handshake up. We're not going to hurt nobody. That's not football. And I know for those that say, well, what about the NBA All-Star game? Okay, it's a skills competition until like five, six minutes left in the game and they really start competing. There is no competition. When receivers was playing DB and deep last year, Stephon Diggs, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and Trey Diggs, his brother, Trey, the DB, was playing receiver, and his brother Stephon, the receiver, is playing DB. No, no, no. You're making a mockery of it. I mean, I've never heard somebody say, hey, man, to improve it, we're going to just get rid of it. What? <laughs> yeah, just, we're just going to get rid of it. Like, because, number one, the viewership is down, and all it is is it's almost like how bad can you criticize something? Nobody's really nobody's out there being competitive. I mean, don't listen. Sean Taylor, may he rest in peace. Stop showing me the Sean Taylor blowing up the kicker. Those days are over with. It's one game. You go into the offseason. I understand you don't want to go into the offseason injured, but if you're not going to play in the game, just don't do it. I know they started talking about maybe like flag or something, but something's got to give. It's more competitive with the dodgeball competition and all the other <laughs> stuff they're doing. That's true. With the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the NFC versus AFC. I mean, that would be like, look, I understand when the NBA, I mean, Major League Baseball, you got the home run derby, right? But then you get to the game, and pitchers are really pitching. They, ain't, they you know, it ain't they dad out there trying to just hold oh, <laughs> like, like, trying to get some home runs. No, it's really a competition. NHL, really a competition. NBA, really a competition. Football, I don't know what that is. I, I really don't. So if they either improve it or get rid of it, because at the end of the day, if you want to just sign autographs, just have them fly down, sign autographs, and just fly back home, because. When it was in Hawaii, I don't know who started that. We just going brother-in-law. That, that's that's not football. I mean, you can get anybody off the street to go out there and compete better than that. Yeah, and again, ben, I, I, I said this too. It's like, why is football I – mean, I realize the injury factor, but why has football become the one where we don't try? Like the NBA, you could say they don't try for three quarters, which, okay, I appreciate that. That's what makes the NBA All-Star game, I think, a little intriguing at the start is, hey, these guys are going to show off their athleticism. 
These guys are going to show off their shot-making ability. These guys are going to show off some of the things they can do that normal folks can't do. You know, hey, we're going to run down. We're going to off the backboard it and try to, you know, reverse duck. Okay, when it comes to fourth quarter, you're seeing basketball. You're seeing guys saying, I'm taking the MVP. You're seeing guys saying, I'm going to lock down and play some defense. I think uh, what Michael Jordan's last year, it was kind of a nice back-and-forth game, fourth quarter. All of a sudden, it got real serious. And I think at least... You have that. The NFL was like, you know, the players kind of looked at each other like, how quickly can we get this direct over with? And I, I don't think that's what you want in an all-star game. I, I get players in a major league baseball season, they don't like the all-star game in the middle of the year. It's like, hey, we have a long season. I'm tired. I want the four days off. But they still go do it, and they compete. There's not really a way to fake it, I guess, in an all-star game because a guy's still throwing, you're still swinging the bat. There's not really a way to do it. But as you said, last couple of years, been the Pro Bowls have gotten to where it's it's what, ridiculous. What, like what, I said, what, what is me, this? you, and BJ could go, could go back there and say, hey, Let's man, do I it. got my hands on you. That We'll just call it because I, I, can't, I can't tackle you. So it's like, yeah, we'll just call it. Yeah. So I don't know what you do. I think a skills competition would be great. I think as popular as it's become, and I know you hate it from a developmental standpoint at times, is why not just do seven on seven? Do something. Right? I mean, that's. I mean, seven on seven for the most part is no oh, here contact. It is, here, here it is. Okay, want to prove the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Instead of instead of inviting quote the best in the league there, yeah. Give, give these special teamers, give these guys that give these unsung heroes, guys, like guys that go hard every time they in the game who don't play as much during the year. It shouldn't matter, right? It's the Pro Bowl <laughs> to the point oh, yeah. where, if, okay, invite the guy, invite the Pro Bowlers who've been brother in law. And they on the sideline. Y'all ain't playing. Because you don't play when you right, right. Well, I think go, some of it took a hit, too, go. Ben, when you put it in between the semifinal round and the yeah, Super yeah, Bowl, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, like, it's, obviously, it's, the it's, two it's, best it's teams. It's actually the week before the Super Bowl. So, it's supposed to be now. It, now you don't even it, have the best players. Yeah, so so the thing is, Kevin, like you said, it, so look, it's so many players. It shouldn't matter, right? Give a, give a bunch. That's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my that's gonna be my question. Like, should the Pro Bowl be? For the special teamers and the backup guys who don't play as much, who will guarantee to go all out when they're out there. Let them make a name for themselves. It's one yeah, game. Give them the Pro Bowl bonus. I'm yes. sure, uh, as you yes. said, if you're only making 600 k yes, give me the Pro Bowl bonus. You make, so I, I'm, making, I'm making 600 k and you're making, I don't know, 40 mil. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'll take yeah. an extra cheese. Absolutely. Hey, go ahead. Uh, moving along. Take two. Obviously, there's a lot of talk here in the offseason about the Hawks and Trey Young needing another superstar. That's what we've heard the last month of the season, plus you know, obviously, you know, the Hawks got to get another superstar to pair up with Trey Young. In your opinion, who would be the best fit to pair up with Trey Young to make the Hawks a viable contender? Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill is a guy that he doesn't want to be in Washington anymore. It's, I mean, it's, it's well documented. He's a guy that, when you talk, I mean, real similar to like a Damian Lillard as far as like his ability. Doesn't play for a team that, that's relevant at all, that's not going to be making the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't work out with him and John Wall. You get a Bradley Bill who understands he's going to get his touches, he's going to make his teammates better, he's instant buckets, and he's going to a team in Atlanta that is a year removed from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I think you need more than one. Bradley Bill in the back, I mean, Bradley Bill, you know, in the backcourt, but I do think maybe you get a DeAndre Ayton, a guy who obviously wanted a big time deal in Phoenix. I don't think they're going to be able to come together on it because, well, while he played well, when you go back to the playoffs, I think that Kevin, he's a guy that wants to get max dollars. I don't know if he's a max player, which I don't even know if that even matters anymore when you look at the salary cap situation. But I would take Bradley Bill 
and also DeAndre Aiden. But if you give me a Bradley Bill, I think he would do wonders for a young Hawks team that's in desperate need of a and, – and I will say this. I don't think Bradley Bill cares about being the Robin to Trey Young's Batman because they still get their touches. Plus, I think Trey Young could uh, learn a lot from Bradley Bill. Give me a one Bradley Bill. Might help him defensively. Just a little bit. I mean, just 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 get in front of somebody. You know, show a little, show a little effort. Trey, this is how you you become a non-cone, right? This, 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 <coughs> Coach Carter, this hand right here is for the crossover. This hand right, <laughs> hey, just 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 a little bit of something, just a little bit. Yes, we don't. <laughs> no traffic cones out there on the defense uh, for. Oh yeah, for, hashtag we will not be Chris Paul. Yeah, here cone. What? <laughs> 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 We didn't make a big enough deal for the man, man here cone. Yeah. What? You know you, how this is you, with a cone. You make your move, go around him. And, uh, and, 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 and social media did not disappoint. Yeah, I mean, that was good. If, if 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 Chris Paul don't come out with a with a with a you know with a line of cones, he has missed the boat <laughs> on this one. Just call him practice cones, even. That's, I, I, that yeah, would yeah, be funny. Give me CP3. <laughs> give me that CP3. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Take three. Uh, ben, we got Top Gun coming out. I mean, it seems like we've been waiting on this movie for like seven years. I know it was delayed because it goes. But Top Gun is coming out. And it got me thinking. You know, Tom Cruise is the action hero in, in Top Gun. But who is the most timeless action hero? Uh, and I say that because Tom Cruise is 59. Right? Bruce Willis, I think, is older than that. And he's out there, uh, you know, the last... Handful of years making movies like, you know, Die Hard 75 and all that kind of stuff. Sly Stallone out there doing, oh, it's one more Rambo. It's like you are 60 out here trying to make believe like you're beating up people. Who is the most timeless action hero out there in movies today? I mean, a 59-year-old Tom Cruise, I'm Maverick. You know, how many 59-year-olds are, are flying around, you know, F-16s and all that fighting the bad guys? Okay, I mean, it's, now – <laughs> Mission impossible in that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say this. I mean, Tom Cruise is great. I, Rocky, I mean, Sylvester Stallone got the, he just, the reason why Sylvester Stallone is timeless because he makes his own movies. He's going to break it. You can't hip. stop him. <laughs> right? He went from Adrian to now he's Rambo and he's Cobra. I mean, he got as many Rambos as he got Rockies. It's a grip of them. <laughs> he went from doing them in the States. Now I'm overseas doing them. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he can do. Uh, he could do a, a, a Terminator anytime he want. Who are you gonna get to replace him? Seventy but, years old. But I, I will say this, Kevin. You made a good one in the in the in the, in the you know before the show. Liam Neeson. What Liam Neeson? Liam Neeson. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Cause with him, right? It's not about him getting all ripped up. Nope. I'm gonna be fully clothed and I'm gonna beat the brakes off you. And I'm gonna let you know before I do it. And I'm but sixty-five. Here, but here's another guy. <laughs> it ain't the craziest. When he's a, What's the guy? His name is Jason Statham. But he's not as old as them. But he, got, he's not. He's not, right? But he's typecast. Like, you know what he's going to do. He's going to be in a nice car. He's going to wait. He, <laughs> I mean, but for me, for me, it's all, it's all, for me, it's always, it's always going to be uh, uh, Sylvester Long, Rocky, because this is the thing, right? Like, we don't call Arnold. We call, you know, we call Arnold Schwarzenegger, we call him by his name. We we call him, we, we're calling Sylvester Long. What's up, what's Sly. up, Rocco? What's up, Sly? What's up, Rocco? What was it, the movie he just made where he was, not, it wasn't uh, it, the uh, the Rocky where he was still kind of getting ripped up, but was, um, where he was mentoring the uh, the young kid. Creed. Right? Creed. He's still I, out I, there, I, I, Creed's I, like, you are 65 I, 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 years old. Think about this. He got oh, my he, Think about this. He got Creed. Then he got Creed too. <laughs> 
And then, right. he, then he went to Rambo. Then he went to Rambo. It, it, it's like somebody goes, "Hey, Rocco, man, it's like when you gonna get another? When you gonna get another Rambo? We just did one. Really? Yeah. Where you did it at? Overseas. I don't, don't want to give up the location. No, I like the fact that I like this. Is what I like the most about about Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone is seventy five. It's time to get right. Seventy five. It's time to no, get I'm right. I'm serious. Yes. So and, and the th- and the thing and the thing about it is, Kevin, it, it becomes to the point where. Most He's people, out there doing Brambos at 75? Most, he, I mean, most people, right, they don't understand. What got me famous is going to keep me famous. What got you famous, man? Rockies uh-huh, and Rambos. That's what, now, I did, I did, you know, Tango and Cash. I did Over the Top. I did, you know, uh, Demolition Man, you know. I did uh, Cliffhanger. I did Cobra. That's just to let you know I got a little bit of range. No, I want to. So he do... is seventy-five in twenty twenty-two. He did Rambo: Last Blood in twenty nineteen. So that he was seventy-two years old to right. trying to kill the kill the bad guy. I'm on, I'm, I mean, that's least, what I do, I'm saying. I do, I do my own stuff. Well, think about. Kevin, I mean, think, is Tom Cruise going to be seventy now, doing Top Gun well, well, thirteen? Well, well, We're well, back this, at it. This is the thing, right? This is the thing, right? Sylvester Stallone say, "Do you do you do your little mission to pop down and do them." This is the thing, though. I create my own characters. I write my own scripts. Like, <laughs> directed, played, anybody, and produced by. I'm just saying. Well, this is the thing. That's Kevin, why I love the guys like. We, you asked how old is Tom Cruise. You said Tom Cruise. I say, you say he's 60. He'll be 60 this year. The fact that Sylvester Stallone is 15 years older than Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Now, make no mistake about it, right? You don't think Sylvester Stallone can do Mission Impossible? He can do it. <laughs> No, my whole my whole thing is that's why they're like the timeless <laughs> yes. the timeless you know action heroes because it's like you know Bruce Willis out here at sixty jumping from helicopters onto buildings. Look, if I was twenty, that might mess me up for a minute. It's over. He's like sixty five. You just hit the ground, you roll, you get up, and you start punching guys in the face. Like, come on, like, hey man, like why don't we get twenty year old action heroes? He's like, no, we get. Sliced alone at seventy two, making Rambo last blood. Listen, like, listen, like I, I, come on, I, man, seventy two. I couldn't hold game, that, hold that that machine gun. You got to put this in the context, though. When you think about when you think about Sylvester Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, you know, he's from New York. I think he's from New York. He was he was he was uh, he was homeless, and he wrote the script. He wrote the script of Rambo. I think he wrote the script of Rambo or Rocky. It was one or the other. I think it was Rocky. Yep. He goes to Hollywood, and instead of just selling the script, he's saying, "Now I ain't got no money. Y'all trying to offer me all this money? You know, wait. Now when Rambo was young, you know, TV was." No, just coming out too. But he was looking at how much money it was willing to give. He said, I'm going to do this myself. So think about this. He'd been Rocky so long <laughs> that now Apollo Creed's son, he's training him. Nobody else could be Rocky. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> he goes, hey, man, Rocky done ran out. Mm-mm. Now I'm finna fight the kids. What? I'm going to get... Creed's kid to fight, you know, Drago's kid. <laughs> then I'm gonna get Creed's kid to fight uh 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 Clubber Lang's kid. I mean, then I mean, what's the other guy he fought in Rocky Five? Uh uh Tommy 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 Gunn. Did Tommy got a son? Cause that's gonna be Creed three. <laughs> and I ain't listen, and I ain't mad at it because you know what it is, Kevin. A lot of times when we get old, people think you got you got to blend, you got to you know you got to go with the flow, go with the flow. I am the flow. I mean, to, I I embrace the new audience with uh with Michael B. Jordan. I went from doing Rambo, where Rambo was always over. Where the only Rambo was in the states is when you know it, where the, you know where Rambo Rambo first blood when he you know he told that sheriff I just want something to eat. Sheriff took him out, 
you know, put his lights on, told him to get out of the car. All of a sudden, Rambo turned around, started walking back this way. And the sheriff did the wrong thing. He took his knife <laughs> and he put him in the back seat. And listen, listen, listen. And then old boy tried to shave him without, without, without no soap. And then all hell broke loose. All I'm saying is, Kermit, I mean, Colonel, Colonel Lassard, that's the only thing I ever remember him playing in. He could, God didn't make him. I did. Who are you? Colonel Lassard. I'm, I'm just, I, all I'm saying is, it is it is Rocky. It is Rambo. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I love, you know, Running Man and Terminator. Yeah. Rocky said, all I need is me and a script. If, so, if Sylvester, <laughs> if Sylvester Stallone else. puts out a Rambo, no, really, The Last Blood, he's like 77. That would be I mean, It's The Last Blood Blood. I mean, think about this. Yeah. If you put out your normal 77-year-old guy and go, hey, what are you going to do? We're going to make a Rambo movie. You're going to be shooting machine guns, you know, riding through the jungle, killing <sighs> bad guys. No, your normal 77, like your shoulder is dislocated and dangling yep. off by a thread. Like he's out there jumping from boats, stuff blowing up. That's why we love these guys. Suspension of disbelief. 75 years old. I mean, so, so, so all you say is. Taking a I, That's amazing. Listen. I really did not think Sylvester Stallone was that. I, I hate to keep on, but I really not think he was that old. Hey, man, listen. At the end of, listen and, if you, and if you ain't seen the latest Rambo. I, I, he listen, cut up? No, no, no. He, 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 ain't, he ain't cut up. It's just the fact that, listen, you mess with his people. And that's, listen, all I'm saying is I, I saw the reason one because, and I was like, there's no way he could top it. And Kevin, make sure the kid is asleep because it's going to get dark. <laughs> it is. You'll see. It's good stuff, though. That's take three. We do it every day. It's time. Again, I, I had to do it because Tom Cruise is 59 and, you know, Top Gun coming out. Uh, he's been Goose for 30 years. Not Goose. Maverick. Maverick. Goose has been gone. Rest in peace. I mean, I mean, uh, Sylvester Long said I already did helicopters. <laughs> it's called Rambo Second Blood. How about that? <laughs> we got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This recent one, right? He was in uh, Mexico. Going to be back here on 3 and Out. We'll chat with Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, coming up uh, later in the show. But, Ben, we talked about it uh, a little NBA earlier in the show. Playoffs continue tonight. Golden State up 3-0 over Dallas. Uh, that could be over tonight. Then you got the Heat and Celtics, two games apiece. But, Ben. A lot of these games aren't close. I think the Heat, excuse me, the Warriors in Dallas have been relatively close. A couple of nine-point wins last couple of nights. But uh, I've seen a lot of talk about where's the competitiveness in a lot of these games late. I think we've seen seven clutch minutes in the last 17 playoff games. Uh, 19.8 points. That's the average margin of victory in the last 17 playoff games. Of those 17, only five finished closer than 10 points, and a couple of those were nine. So where are we at here uh, with, with the NBA playoffs? I know we sell stars. We sell the athleticism. We sell the game. You know, Luka Doncic out there dropping, you know, 40 and 42 in relatively close games. And then you have games like last night where as early as the first quarter, you know, Heat Celtics wasn't really worth watching. I think, Kevin, the thing, the thing, the thing about it, I mean, I don't want I'm not. I'm not into that. It's the new NBA. I think guys – it's it's kind of like what I was talking about with baseball. It's kind it kind of getting out of hand in one inning. You look up, I mean, and they down by twenty five, and then you spend the rest of the time, you know, trying to get back into the game, and then you living and dying by the three, and then you not having good possessions, and then you turning the ball over, and then the game has gotten out of hand even more. So, I think I I would love to have the back and forth, but it's almost like, 
you know, and nowadays, you know, a, a nine point a nine point loss was a close game compared to there are no more crunch times in the fourth quarter. You know, guys got to make free throws. Guys got to not turn the ball over. Guys got to box out and rebound. No, I mean it's already you down by. I mean, I think last night, if I'm not mistaken, I think at the end of the first quarter, I think the Heat had two points, two. And you start saying to yourself, what in the world is going on? So you are right. It is the NBA playoffs. I accept it for what it is. I do think the top four teams are still left in it. I still think that guys like Luka, who had their shot, shows you that in a, with a team like Golden State being down by 25, that's nothing. Because the Splash Brothers can get hot. And then and Luka, let me let me tell you something, Luka. Look, standing standing in the middle of the standing in the middle of the key with, you know, with Andrew Wiggins coming down the lane. I, that's not a recipe for success for you, man. Get out the way. <laughs> I mean, Luca, what, 6'9"? Andrew yep. Wiggins goes, look, man, I ain't no super-duper star. I was a former number one overall pick, but I said, I mean, you know how, like, you can see something happen? I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, Luca, don't, Luca, get out of the paint. Get, get, get out of the lane. Uh, and I went, oh, Lord. Let me tell you <laughs> something. I get, listen, Andrew Wiggins, he ain't never been, he ain't never been mistaken for not being explosive. But I just think for me, Kevin, this is what the NBA is now. We have to get used to it. When it's there not are, going well, quit and pack it in. Is that what? I, I, I don't. I don't think that's what it is. But you. But you. Is it? I, I. I don't. I just think that Kevin, you got to be smart. Football. You chasing the guy. He's ten yards ahead of you. Now you're running, but he's getting farther, farther away. Cause you're like, well, I can't catch him right here at ten yards. What I'm supposed to just. I'm running out of field and I'm running out of gas. So I'm going to just let him score, get in the end zone. I think with basketball, you're saying, okay, it ain't a closeout game. Wasn't our best night. We got to pack it in, but we got to look like we still trying to stay a little longer. Like, let's look like we trying to. And, and so I, I think for a team like, uh, like, uh, like the Mavs, they had a shot to make this a series, but you're up by 20 some points, you lose. It's probably, if they do win tonight, it would be because Golden State just want to play a fifth game and. Yeah. AKA ratings. All the yeah. You know, we'll see. All the Hawks fans are coming out of the woodwork, by the way. They're oh, I like, will say they're, they're like, oh, see? Trey Trey Force at least. So let me get this straight. We're, we're, we're. So Giannis, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you know, PJ Williams, I mean, you know, Giannis and uh and company against uh, uh Luca, a healthy Clay, a healthy Draymond, a healthy Andrew Wiggins, and they got this bum named Steph. I mean, who? You, what you think gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying. And man, meanwhile, but, he's out there dropping oh, 40. Yeah, I mean, he's like, listen, Luca, Luca, Luca's the guy that's saying, look, in front of the, in front of the media, he's gonna say all the right things. Listen, man, that's Steph, future Hall of Famer, Draymond, future Hall of Famer, Clay, future Hall of Famer, Andrew Wiggins, former number one overall, big song, so great chemistry. You know, we we did our best, and then that's how I appreciate you, Luca. And then he walks by the team and goes, "You guys stink. You guys can't do anything." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's always going to get to Trey Young, Luka Doncic stuff. Yeah. I know that's the latest thing. He's like, oh, at least Trey Young didn't get 3 0'd in a, in, a, in a conference finals last year. I mean, look, the, the career paths for both of those players is so very similar. I don't get the, hey, if this happens, but this doesn't happen. Like, just because Trey Young managed to win a couple of games in the, West, in the Eastern Conference finals last year does not mean he is way better than Luka, who is in the Western Conference finals this year. And. His team's getting swept. I think Hawks had a little better talent than what Dallas currently has. I think, again, I would view them as like, look, nobody has separated themselves from the other one. I think that's fair. If you're out here saying, oh, it's clear, 
Trey Young better than Luka. Or, no, Luka. Oh, well, he didn't go get swept to the conference final. Look, they are so close that I don't think anybody can say one's better than the other at, at, at this point. They play different positions. They do some somewhat different things. Both, when given the opportunity, have been balling. Like, Trey Young shut up the garden last year. Luka dropping 40 a night on the, on the, on the Warriors. What more do you want him to do uh, on a worse roster than what the Hawks had been? So I think that's I, I just find that amazing. I mean, internet, uh, social media, the trolls will always jump out there. But I I saw that uh, you know a couple nights ago where it's like, oh, Trey Trey didn't get swept in the conference finals. I was like, oh, so if the role, so if that trade doesn't get made, Hawks fans are gonna be mad they got Luka Doncic on their team. I don't think so. I, oh, yeah, I think it's worked oh, out. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about that trade, we, I mean, earlier we were saying who's a good. Who's a good parent? Also, if Luca want to come to Atlanta, we don't want him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, be on the first train smoking. <laughs> to figure Take Atlanta, him in a heartbeat. Yeah, stop absolutely. Playing. But I know, I know, uh, Atlanta fans love to hate uh, on oh, all, yeah, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. all things Luca. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, they stick up for Ice Trey. At the end of the day, we got more to come. It is three and out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, streaming live ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you along here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. We'll chat with Chris Gordy, the Locked On SEC podcast. He'll join us. Certainly the Jimbo and Saban feud is going to be carrying over into that next week. Uh, you know, Nick Saban came out and said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, should have called out those schools. And Jimbo's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, there's all lies, all oh, yeah. lies from Nick. Oh yeah, I like only the one of our recruits has an NIL deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I want this. I want the awkwardness. I want. I want. You know how? I don't know how the meetings are. Could, but you know, Nick. Nick comes in. Can like, you make him sit next no, to each other? No, no, everybody, everybody's at breakfast eating. Oh, what's up, man? How's the family, man? And then Nick comes in. Everybody, hey, don't, 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 don't look at him. Don't look at him. And then, and then, and then Jimbo look at him. He goes, "Hey, Jimbo." And then Jimbo's like this. Whatever. Also, you. You don't want to talk to me? Did I say something to you? What you mean? Did you say something to me, bro? Like, everybody saw what you had to say about me. No, Kevin, I go back to this again, okay? I like good old-fashioned coach rivalries. What is the big thing? All this buddy-buddy stuff. All this, you know, oh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Nick, you called everybody something. You coming to Texas A&M, Jackson State, Miami basketball, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, I'm sorry. What? No, it don't work like that. So you're going to say everything you want to say. I probably shouldn't have said that. But you did. And you meant it. Now, you make another good point, Kevin. It's not that you were lying. But it's how you said it. Like, you know, I mean, instead of just saying, you know, you you, you have to be like, hey, Jimbo, you cheating. You could have said, Jimbo, I don't like the fact that your, that your boosters got more money than mine. That's what it is. But, Kevin, I like the fact that Jimbo say, don't call me, don't CC me, don't text me, don't FaceTime me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to do it. Because Jimbo, now Jimbo went out calling them guys and all kinds. Of, you want to know how God operate? All that kind of stuff. But they got it off their chest. Deion Sanders, he got it off his chest. Unfortunately, he ain't invited to this meeting. Uh, and I don't even know who the Miami basketball player is. I mean, he like, hey, listen, you think I'm worried about him? I got my chair. Yeah. I'm, too, I'm too. I'm too busy going to the bank right now. But hey, Jimbo, do your thing. 
Uh, Nick Saban, keep you know, keep acting like what was you being with the number two uh, recruiting class in the country. And when they meet each other on prime time in twenty twenty two, it's that handshake should should be epic. I, I I do like the I, if I'm the guy that I don't know how they do it. Like you said, been at uh, at these meetings because you have coaches there, you have ads there, all talking about this stuff. But if I'm like the guy that I'm assuming they have like name placards and stuff where they can sit down, like do you put Jimbo and Nick sitting right next to each other? Like if you put him out and go, hmm, let's just <laughs> or, 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 no, no, no. and sit back and watch. Or or, or we all and then you put Lane Kiffin right on the other side of him. You go, well, oh, yeah. Lane, go here, go there, go Lane. No, 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 Lane's on the other side. Of the <laughs> oh, Nick Saban, yeah. uh, Lane, Lane's name tag was right beside Nick's, and Jimbo was across the table, but Jimbo ain't got there yet. So Lane <laughs> takes his and he switches it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, 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 this is, and Jimbo comes in, you know, he's getting his breakfast. He's like, yeah, man, I like the team. He turns around, he's like this. Yeah. And then Nick's like this. <laughs> and they got you know, to sit next to each other. Hey, look, I, I mean, in a sense, right, that would be fair, right? Like, come on. Like, the least you can do is in a – Entertain us. Nick Saban is entertaining. Right. When he gets mad, he's very entertaining. Jimbo Fisher does not like two things. He don't like getting called out recruiting, and he don't like Nick Saban. It has been well documented. <laughs> now, now Mike Leach is probably saying, wait Although a minute. Although he does apparently that. think Nick Saban is God. Oh, so sorry. What is, what is looking, that? God got his deal. Why don't you look into that? <laughs> you, want to, you, know, you, want, you want to know how you really do things? Go look into it. <laughs> he ain't going to like what you see. And then people are going to say, yeah, but you was on his staff. We ain't talking about me. We ain't talking about me. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about him. No. Why you gotta bring Mike Leach gonna say something crazy? But this is the thing. You know what the you know who the wild card is really gonna be? Brian Kelly. You don't know what the, what the hell he gonna do. You don't know how he gonna sound. He gonna come in there and say, "Oh man, we supposed to be family, man. Get the hell on, man. Go on over there with Brian, Coach Kelly. Go on over there with that. I don't want to deal with that. But you got some. Hey man, I I like it. I think that when you when you when you hear quote SEC meetings, that's AKA boringness. A bunch of trying not to fall asleep. Billy Napier over there struggling. You know, Hypel over there looking at Napier. Napier like, what you looking at me for? Y'all think y'all finna beat up? Boy, you better co- – all right, Hendon Hooker, cool. No, I, I like I like it, Kevin, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Eli Drink was looking at Billy Napier. Billy Napier looking at him like, my name is my name is uh, Billy, not Dan. You know, and there goes Sam Pittman. You know, who's the head coach of Vanderbilt? I don't even know who the head coach of Vanderbilt is. They're going to be trying to sit in the corner over there, you know, going over some notes or something. They're going to be like, hey, Vanderbilt, hey, hey. Turn that computer off. Come over here with the group. Man, I'm over here trying to. So, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be good. But hey, Nick. I think Vanderbilt's input at the SEC meetings is, is it goes as follows. When do when do we when do we pick up the check? Is it at the end? Uh-uh. uh uh-uh. Do we get it the, now? The Vanderbilt coach run a little late and they locked the door. Hey! And he goes, hey man, I told y'all about the joke, bro. Y'all know I was coming. I just texted you and told you I was outside. Do we get our 50 million now? Or do we have to stay the whole time? Listen, listen, listen. Do we I, have to- listen, listen. I lost. Give me my money. That's right. What? I lost. That's Give right. me my money. We haven't won a conference game in two years, but we are <laughs> we are here for the check. How so much what, is it this year? Yeah, where's my money? You know, what, what's up? Hey, man, you got <laughs> some. Would be, I would actually kind of respect that at Vanderbilt if they showed up and was like, at Vanderbilt, do I need to stay? Listen, listen, we, don't make, just- we, we don't make excuses here at Vanderbilt. <laughs> what? We don't make excuses. We Vanderbilt. We Vanderbilt football. <laughs> we also aren't staying. For the meeting, so give us a check and we're out. Listen, we can't we we can't fill our stadium yet. A new stadium is going up in Nashville. <laughs> Think about that. They finna get a new one. We can't even fill up our current one. Where's my money? <laughs> give us give us our listen, check. Listen, 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 and we'll be on our way. 
I'm only here for the check. They told me that, they, quote, they can't send it how they normally send. They can't wire it. <laughs> yeah. They only got checks now. So come on, man, because I ain't in no private jet. I had to fly with, you know, with the regular, you know, with everybody at the uh, airport. We were coach, yeah. <laughs> you know, I asked, I asked Nick or somebody, could they send it when they jets? They, he says, quote, no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he wrote back and said, I thought we won a parody at college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Fly uh, coach. Oh, yeah. What, what did Vanderbilt coach step up and say, hey, coach, what's up with the parody? Who are you again? I'm the head coach of I'm, Vanderbilt. I'm Clark Lee. Huh? Don't act like you don't know who huh? I am. Remember when y'all beat us 72 to 6? Remember, yeah. remember, remember, remember about four years ago, even though I wasn't the head coach, there was Derek Mason, and we was 3-0, and and we said we want Bama because y'all was coming y'all was coming to the Ville. You remember what happened y'all came to the Ville? I mean, it got ugly. It got It got ugly. I do remember that. They they said they want to eight. Three up. We, we want Bama. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Uh, we're having a little fun, obviously, at Vandy's expense. But the uh, meetings in Destin are, are next week. A lot to talk about in terms of schedule. Let's go to the phones. Let's go. Who is it? Steve, you said? Let's go to Steve. You're uh, live here on the three now. Steve, welcome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking my call. How you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well. Well, it's AC, not Steve. It's AC. Oh, AC, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. So last week I did talk about, I got on air on Friday, I did talk about Nick Saban and Jimbo Fresher. But let's face it, what's the point of hyping the whole thing, y'all? Let's wait until October 8th. I mean, let me give you some history, guys. Kobe and Shaq had their issues. Kevin Durant had his issues with Russell Westbrook and Golden State. But what's the point of all the hype? Let's wait until October 8th. Action. Or what's the point of all the hype? Because at the end of the day, day, let's face it, most likely Nick Saban under Alabama Crimson Tide, my steamroll Texas A&M. I mean, Nick Saban, he got to be being white. And Texas A&M defeated him last season. What are the odds they could defeat him again coming season? Again, Nick Saban knows how to how to motivate his team. So if I'm Kirby Smart, if you want to repeat as a champion, you got to go through those Crimson Tide again. So much for taking my call. God bless you, boys. Hey, appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Yeah, look, I I think you got to – the SEC thrives on hype. Of course. Right? I mean, he's like, you go – I get the hype train. I'm not saying Texas a and going to beat them, but, I mean, hey. Listen, if they do. As, 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 as a lot of people have said, why do guys like wrestling? It's a male soap opera. It's the same reason we like stuff like this in sports. Jimbo is mad at Nick. Nick is like, what did I do? And then they meet on the field and get beat down. Because as you said, Alabama is going to be loaded at the end of the day. I just, I just want somebody to have a camera in the room yep. when Nick and Jimbo have to walk by each other or sit in the same proximity and see what the facial expressions look like. It's too like cinnamon rolls or something left, you know, and Nick get both yeah. of them. And Jimbo right behind me, like, uh, you don't get them both? Well, I, wait, now, now you know I like cinnamon rolls. I don't care what you like. What? Hey, go buy oh, your, oh, go yeah, buy your cinnamon you know, rolls. You know Nick Saban and Jimbo, they're about the same height. So, so you know, I mean, Nick Saban kind of like throw his, he throw his utensils down. And he look at Jimbo and say, boy, you're looking at him like you want to do something to me. You're looking at him like you want to jump, like I'm short or something. Uh, you are short. You're just, you're just the same height as me. No, I like it, Kevin, because at the end of the day, I like coaches that don't like each other. Go look into how God got his cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Not going to like what you find. <laughs> we got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
Good to have you along on this Tuesday. It has been, it is Kevin, it is three and out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and live on Facebook, Twitter, and yes, YouTube. Back on YouTube, but once again at ESPN Coastal. Go follow us over there. We'll talk more about the SEC meetings next week. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, will join us. Uh, we asked you a little bit yesterday. Love to, again, SEC fans, hear your thoughts. What games are you willing to let go of? Because when Texas and Oklahoma come in, it's going to have to happen, right? We talked about, uh, Ben, what is being discussed. Two eight-team divisions. Okay, well, if you play seven in division, that means you only get one rotating game. Okay, so, Georgia, if you want to play Auburn, if Auburn doesn't come over to the east, then what are you doing? You go look at the pod system. Well, there's four Fourteen pods at that point. Some of those annual rivalries aren't going to be able to get kept. And people are like, "Well, I've talked to a number of Georgia fans. Well, you got to play Georgia, got to play Florida, got to play Auburn. Really, got to play Tennessee." I mean, like, well, that's three. That's your whole pod, right? So does that mean Auburn and Alabama becomes in peril? Does Alabama Tennessee become in peril at that point? Does LSU Arkansas become in peril? Some of those traditional rivalries you get in the SEC. That's what. Think Auburn LSU has been has been a good rivalry. Some of those things. What game are you willing to give up to make these things happen? Also, I think what is that? David Waters told us earlier a three and was it three and five where you get three common opponents. It's kind of a pod system. Yeah, where you play three common opponents and then rotate through everybody else. I mean, that's basically a pod system without calling it a pod. Uh, there at that point, it's just a matter of how do you get your two teams at the end. To play in the championship. So we'll talk more about that coming up uh, in the final hour with Chris Gordy and uh, certainly a number of possibilities out there. But hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, 912-342-7184. I think, uh, Kevin, at the end of the day, a new day is coming when it comes to college football. Will it be led by the SEC? A one, uh, you know, I mean, and we, I mean, a one Greg Sankey, why he wants to lead the charge? He don't want to push the button. We will see what happens, but well, I mean, it, I, 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 th- I, I do think I do think uh, what we've grown and know to be the tradition of the SEC as far as like rivals, some will remain attack and new ones will. Well, there's certain out. that I think I don't know how many there are, but I would imagine there's certain that in a new age SEC, uh, you you have to have have to have the Red River rivalry. Got to have, got to have it. Got to have world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Got to have the Iron Bowl. Gotta I would have imagine. The I would imagine you got to have the Egg Bowl. I, so anything in there. outside of that is, I mean, I the mean, Golden the, Boot would be Arkansas LSU. I mean, I, 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 when you start saying, "Hey, we're steeped in tradition," I'm Alabama. I got two, three rivalry games. Well, it may not. You may have to pick one. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's going to be, it's going to be the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if you look at teams and you say, "Hey, I can give you one," when we're looking at this thing, I might be able to give you two. Can't give you more than that, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, in terms of. Every single year you're playing this team. And that stinks. I, that's the bad part about college football, the expansion, and the way this thing is going is, look, how do you keep some of those must-have games on the schedule? I think you can see how much it helps the SEC versus how much it hurts other conferences when you don't have kind of those. I mean, you look at the the Big Ten, and we'll talk about this next hour and just how they've put together their rivalries, but it's really made the conference very one-sided to try to keep those. So we'll get to that. Then hold your thoughts. I'm coming back to you. When we come back, Chris Gordy going to join us in about 20 minutes. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
Three and Out. We'll chat with Chris Gordy coming up in 20 minutes, looking at the future of the SEC as they're going to talk about it next week. They're in Destin. So a lot on the table, Greg. Sankey float, floating a lot around. We do know the SEC obviously expanding in the coming years, and we'll uh, we'll look at that. But, Ben, we've talked about this, uh, looking at the divisional model, looking at the pod model. Apparently there's a lot of division, no pun intended, on which model uh, to go with because uh, although I don't agree with this, uh, we talked to David Waters. He said, look, there's a clear top eight and bottom eight in the SEC. Well, it shouldn't be that way, right? I mean, there should be... If you're the SEC with as much money, and they, you should be striving for parity. You shouldn't say, well, we're going to make the schedules and divisions work out so that these eight teams are always going to be at an advantage, right? I mean, maybe they will be anyway, no matter how you slice it up, but I don't think you should try to do it uh, that way. Where do you kind of fall as you look at it? They're going to talk about this, obviously, next week. Are you more of a, of a pod guy? You hey, try to keep a divisional thing together? How do you see what, what, what would be kind of your preferred method uh, to the SEC trying to make this thing work? I mean, uh, I like the pods. The reason why I like the pods is, Kevin, is because I'm thinking about what's the, what's the fastest way that every team in the agency can play each other. I mean, the East and the West, you know that's not going to work because it's so many. And what makes it not work with the East and the West is you got so many built in. Oh, I got to play everybody in the East. Plus, who's my, who's my crossover? Compared to, okay, we're going to do a pod system. We're going to have certain built in, like games. So just say it's three built in, all right? Got to play, you know, Florida got to play Georgia. Georgia got to play, you know, you got three built in. Then you start saying, all right, what's going to be the compelling matchups when it comes to these pods? But we're on a rotating system to where, you know, every four years we've all played each other compared to once every ten. And we got to ask ourselves this too. Some There are teams in the SEC that, like, I, I think uh, they, you know, they want to make a great point. There are teams in the bottom eight that think they should be in the top eight. Or we think we the top eight. Are you, are you, to be a top eight, right, team in the SEC, that means you are part of the college football fabric. If you got to think about it, are, you're not. And you're now, bringing, and, and to be fair, two of those eight aren't in the conference yet. So. Yeah, yeah, so we're talking about six. Yeah. So, so basically we're talking about Alabama, LSU, Auburn, right, Texas A&M, Florida and Georgia. That's what that's what you're talking about. And that's no slouch to Tennessee. That's no slouch to South Carolina. But I think that sometimes when you talk about the SEC, the SEC is going through a, quote, rebrand. Not a reload, not a redo, just a rebrand. Right? We're coming back out and we're saying, hey, we're doing pods. Now, everything when it comes to the fan base like this, you hate everything that happens at first. And no matter what, hate it, don't want to do yeah. it. Hate it. Then when it starts happening, you start arguing with, oh, we should have got this. Well, you just say you hated it. Well, I came around. <laughs> well, you came around in a minute? Yep, because I, I, I get that's what it is. Then it becomes this. I kept saying this. The SEC knows we got a good shot to win the national championship, right? So they got that bragging right. They got that distinction. Well, I mean, but the, I, the, the track record of the last 15 years would, would validate but, that yes, as well. But also, Kevin, this is about the reputation. This is about putting as much distance between us and the next – you know, and the, and the other and the other four of the Power Five. That's what this is about, because we talked about what the ACC is planning on doing, right? Whoever, it's almost like this: whoever does the pie system first, whoever comes second, you stole it from the first one. Even if no, we had this plan, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. So I think that this is about how we want to go about making the new SEC look as far as like how we're going to do with the scheduling, who's going to be. Because I, because the one thing that I, I, you know, David kept saying, well, he don't think that they're going to do the standalone thing. Because 
If we're standalone, we you comparing us to us. Well, not, not even that, but I mean, how much? And again, how much does the SEC? And this might be a loaded question. How much does the SEC need the other conferences? And I think, on some level, quite a bit. Because, again, who are we going out and dominating? All of you guys. So, uh, I, and yeah. I think that helps with the money and the yeah. re- and reputation of prestige. So, yeah. I kind of agree. Greg saying, he's like, look, we want a 12-team playoff. And the idea of us doing it alone, as you said, think of it as a button. I don't want to press that button. But you know if I do it, I can. And this is what we want. And it's good for us, obviously. But it is good for you as well. And I think that is uh, part of the, the, the message behind it. Where is Greg saying he's looking out for number one? Absolutely. Yep. But sometimes, you know, as, as people find out, sometimes a deal can be beneficial for the one you don't want it to be beneficial for, and it's also good for you at the same time. Like, hey, we're trying to, okay, try not doing that deal, and where are we at? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think the SEC needs the other schools. I, I, I think I, I if they so. win it alone, it would be different. It would be different. They could do it, and they would make a lot of money. Yeah. But I think, the, to me, in this brave new world of the SEC, what's made it great is the tradition, the history, the closeness, uh, the, the rivalries. I, I The closeness kind of feeds into that rivalry. And nothing will probably be more hilarious to me than in 2025 or whatever Seeing Texas and Oklahoma fans going SEC, like, I think that's that would I mean, be hilarious. I mean, and, and, and think about this too, Kevin. This, this is the thing, right? Kyler Murray, uh, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield played at Oklahoma, even sure. though even though Kyler, even though uh, Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts played at Alabama. How fast when Ala- when Oklahoma comes in, they start claiming that? No, no, no. <laughs> went, what, what are you talking about? Von Miller was not in the SEC when he was at Texas A&M. I got yeah. Miles Garrett was. So what so what does the SEC do? When my, when they do one back on campus, they'll have Miles Garrett being escorted around campus by Von Miller. The SEC, look, I'm telling y'all, the SEC knows what it's doing. It's like when you start when you start talking about national appeal, right? That's what the SEC has. It has bi- because it has the bias. Oh my God, it's the big bad SEC. Okay, well, what happened when Cincinnati played them? What happened when Michigan played them? What happened when Clemson played them? What happened when Washington played them? And the list goes on and on. And you go back to how many teams won it. Auburn has won one. Florida's won two. Georgia's won one. Alabama's won a bunch of them. LSU's won one. Right? That's a lot of schools. Sure. That's a lot of schools. Now, when you start saying, once again, when somebody's saying, hey, they had to meet us again, who the top eight? Raise your hand to hear if your team has won a national championship within the last 15 years. Now, Billy Napier ain't do it, but he's at Florida. I yeah. can hear you. And, and if your hand ain't going up, that's a wait a minute. I mean, we Vanderbilt. We we get it. We Arkansas. We Ole Miss. We Mississippi State. We Kentucky. Right? I said the last 15 years, you know who hand ain't going up? Tennessee. They won one in 99. Right? I think, I think what the SEC is doing that you got to give them a lot of credit for, they are winning the perception battle. That's all – Kyle, Kevin, we always talking about NIL, right? We start saying, "Hey, man, this gonna ruin it." Mm-mm. This is that. This is this. This is that great equalizer. Everybody think, man. I'm telling you, man. I'm worth this bread. <laughs> Where the money at? Right? Think about this. The Floridas, the Georgias, the Texas A&Ms, the Alabamas, the LSU's, right of the world, and unlimited resource, whatever they want. How you know LSU can do it? They went and got Brian Kelly. 
I mean, say what you want. They snatched him for Notre Dame. He, he's he's leaving the biggest brand in college football because I want. And was the winningest coach at yes, Notre Dame? I want some of that SEC love. Urban Meyer, right? They asked Urban Meyer, "Hey man, you've been to Ohio State, you've been to Florida, West, Florida." They asked Nick Saban, "What's your biggest regret leaving LSU?" They're saying this while they're in the SEC because there is nothing like Billy Napier going to Florida. He's saying, "Look, man." My athletic budget at LH, at Louisiana might be what I paid my assistant coaches with. I'm telling you, Kevin, it's what we said. If I'm a priority, I'm not going back to being an option. The SEC, when it comes to people saying, hey, man, who's in the SEC? Uh, uh, they got Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Who's in the Pac-12? The what? The Pac-12. <laughs> who's in no, the Big it's true. And, and, and I think that's all Greg Sankey's doing. He's saying, all I need is another conference to go to pods. Because if I get another one, I can say, all right, we ain't buy. I don't want – no one wants to be the only one in anything, even if it – Well, no, it's it, just the way they do it. Look, now look I, I think obviously when you start talking about the playoff picture, that is a big priority for Greg Sankey. He yeah. wants more teams in there. Obviously, that's better for him, but he wants more teams uh, in there. I, I personally think that's good for college football myself as a whole, uh, but that's neither, neither here nor there. I mean, look, I, I – more teams. I, I'll just leave no, it no, out. It's, not, it's, not that it's, it's a true representation. But, but, I, but I look at uh, you know where this thing is going with the SEC, and there's people like, hey, we, we love the tradition. We love where uh, this has been, the closest of it. How do you keep that together and bring in two more teams and try to maintain the competitiveness, i.e., we're going to play everybody more often? Uh, some of that, to me, that's what makes the SEC different. We were just talking during the break, Ben. Big Ten has rivalries. You have Ohio State, Michigan. You have Michigan, Michigan State. Maybe Penn State, Ohio State. Outside of that, that might be about the ones that people are drawn to nationally, right? There's people that like Big Ten football that watch the Iron Bowl. There's people that like Big Ten football that will watch Georgia, Florida. You could go to Ohio State or Michigan, Michigan State, and say, hey, who's your next biggest rivalry? It might be Notre Dame, who's not even in the conference. Go to the ACC. What are your big rivalry games in the ACC, Florida State-Clemson, Florida State-Miami, which hasn't been a marquee game in a number of years. Outside of that, where are your big rivalries? In, in your conference, who are your big rivalries? Well, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, for some of these guys. So, to me, the team's in the other conference. Yeah. Go to the Big 12. Who is your rival? Probably everybody would say Texas. Oklahoma would say Texas and Oklahoma State. Outside of that. What is it? You go to the SEC and there's rivalries everywhere because of that closeness and tightness uh, where it's a big game every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if how you keep that part of it together mm-hmm. when you bring more teams in, mm-hmm. and that's what, to me, has made the SEC great. That's why I keep saying, what games are you willing to lose yeah. on an annual basis? Because you can't just keep bringing in teams and say, no, we're, gonna, we're, 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 we're just going to keep it the same. Uh, it's, it's not. And so I think that is the challenge when you're at these meetings next week, if you're Greg Sankey, if you're these conference ADs, is saying – what are we willing to keep that makes this what it is, makes this special, right? Because the SEC sells itself, on, as you said, perception and what? Special. We're special. Why? Yeah. One, because we're in here. Yeah. Two, because we play them, we play and, them. And, and, and That's our kid, brother. And, 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 and this guy, yeah. and, and it's, you think about major cities, right? L.A. is L.A., Chicago Chicago, Miami's Miami, New York's New York. Atlanta, I mean... That's where it is. It's almost like you start saying to yourself, every time you look, the whole notion of it just means more. That just that that that's so that no matter what, 
you want to get people outside of your rooting interest to say, hey, man, that's the SEC, though. Like, I can respect it. Because most college football, it's a lot, it's a lot of teams. Like, it's a oh, lot. Oh, sure. But, it, but, but the SEC was built on we're here, that's our brother, that's our brother, and we beat up on each other, and we're right here on top of each other, and we live with each other. I don't like them. They don't like us. Yeah. But you come mess with us, and we're going to stick with oh, No yeah, other, yeah, yeah. No other you, conference has that. And, again, I think when you just keep pulling teams in, yeah. I don't know how you keep that part of well, it together well, yeah, and, and keep I, I, it where I, it, it just means more. It, it's it, like it, it can't Listen, exclusive is, is, is what it is. Like It's, it's like everybody – somebody starts saying, hey, man, why y'all why – y'all, why y'all like, you know, gatherings be so small? Because it's exclusive. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you know, this ain't a plus one. It's just us. Hey, man, what y'all talk about in there? We don't talk about it. We don't talk about what goes on in that room. <laughs> talk about Fight Club. No, but no, I, I, I do think this is going to be kind of the chat because I've heard a lot of people put out there, well, if the SEC wanted to do their own playoff, they could, but how would you call that, quote, the national champion? Mm-hmm. Would you then be soliciting the wandering eyes of other teams from other mm-hmm. leagues and creating... Maybe. A, then you then it's really over. Oh yeah. I, 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 think, I mean, again, I'm not saying this like as an alarmist. The sky is falling. I'm just saying if you're the SEC and you're like, why don't we just do our own conference? It's the best one, anyways. Well, people are talking about like for the good of college football. Would you bring in a Clemson? Would you bring in a Florida State? Would you bring in some other teams well, well, of that ilk? And if you do, at that point, well, I Kevin, mean, there is well, absolutely no, no, Kevin, no, no way to keep no, no, it. No, you saying? Would you bring it, it for the good? No, I wouldn't bring it in for the good of college football. Would I bring it in for the good of SEC? Absolutely. Yeah, but I still think you lose some of that at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, Kevin, if if we're trying to preserve anything, we are trying to preserve the perception of of college football. Because that's because once that's gone, it's not coming back. <laughs> well, well, it may not be coming back anyway. Chris Gordy, locked on SEC podcast, will join us when we return. We'll talk about all they're going to be talking about next week, plus the Jimbo and Saban. Uh, part of this thing is always intriguing. He joins us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Glad to have you along here on the show. Of course, uh, next week, the SEC meetings there in Destin and already a lot of talking points ahead of that uh, meeting next week. And uh, joining us here to talk about that and more host of the Locked On SEC podcast, Chris Gordy joins us here on 3 and Out. Chris, welcome. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be on with you. Hey, we are doing fantastic. And, of course, uh, what would a conference meeting with the SEC be without a little slip of, uh, you know, highly controversial information? And, you know, uh, Greg Sankey saying, look, we're going to talk about everything and, you know, maybe even uh, the SEC doing their own playoff. What are your thoughts about that? Is this just more than a, uh, a, a bluff to get what he wants, which is an expanded college football playoff? Yeah, I, I, I think that conversation is silly. Um, you know, look, we play an SEC schedule already. We see most teams go up against one another already. You know, you're really watering down your product. If you're just going to say hey, at the end of the year we're going to take the eight teams with the best record, we're going to have a playoff. I mean, I, I just think that that's going to be very watered down. And I don't know if you're capturing the eyeballs of the rest of the country. You know, the, the whole idea with the college football playoff is, yeah, it is open to, to other teams and other markets and other conferences. And when you get an Ohio State, you get an Oklahoma in there, or USC, you're getting a lot of different eyeballs from all the different markets. When you close it off and make it restrictive, I don't know if anybody in San Diego, San Diego California, is turning it, tuning it into an SEC playoff. You know, yeah, I know Alabama played Georgia in the championship this year, and it just fell that way. But if that happened every year, I think you're going to lose a lot of eyeballs. You're going to lose a lot of attention. Um, you know, that's the fun of this thing is that it is kind of wide open and anybody can beat anybody. And yeah, the SEC's had more success than anybody. It's been a lot of fun for us, 
But again, I, I just think that that's really watering down your product if you if you end up saying, yeah, we're going to go to just an SEC only uh, only playoff. And I understand you'll have the addition of Oklahoma and Texas in there as well. And it'll make it more intriguing. But yeah, to me, that it just it, it's it doesn't scream excitement. And I, I don't know. I mean, Greg Sankey has come out and said he's fine with the keeping the playoff at four because. You know, it's worked out in the SEC's favor more often than not. They end up getting at least one team in every year, if not two. So uh, it has worked in the SEC's favor. I do think we'll end up going to expansion eventually, but I just don't want to see an all-SEC playoff. I just think that's silly. I I get your point, Chris, but it's kind of the say-it-out-loud thing. If they do this, and as it was kind of talked about in some some articles earlier this week, I mean, if Alabama's playing Oklahoma in the SEC championship game on January 1st, is that not the game of the day? Yeah, I mean it would be, but you know, what if you don't get there? What if what if uh, Mississippi State upsets them? It's Mississippi State by versus Bama, and Bama wins by thirty. Or is anybody turning into that? Does anybody care? So uh, that's where I just say I think the the national playoff is a better picture with everybody else involved. Uh, to me, it's a bigger message to the Big Ten and the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve to get their ducks in a row and do what they can to improve their conferences and get their conferences expanded and. You know, yeah, does the SEC come, become the even bigger superpower with Oklahoma and Texas? Sure, but again, I, I think it's better to keep this thing open and keep everybody else involved. I mean, and Chris, I mean, I mean, to that end, I mean, when you think about what the SEC is doing with a guy like Greg Sanker, who I think is just a ploy to, to kind of get more, you know, more parity, to take a quote from the great Nick Saban, in, in college football, I said, look, 12 – I mean, right now we have four. He wants to go to eight. I, I mean, he wants to go to eight, maybe 12. Do you think by threatening that they might take their ball and go home, maybe the college football playoff committee says, all right, I know that 2025 is when the contract is up. Do we consider expanding this thing? Because if the best teams are the best teams, it shouldn't matter how many teams get in, right? Yeah, well, it's all about the the TV contracts. I mean, that's what dictates all this. So, yeah, I mean, if Sankey's going to do this and it's just going to force the, the ESPNs and the Foxes or whoever you know has the the um, you know all the TV contracts, if it forces them to kind of come off of it and say, all right, well, let's let's revisit expansion a little bit sooner, then maybe it does work. But to me, the bigger picture here is let's say let's say you do go to an SEC only playoff. What does the schedule look like? Are we still keeping this open to playing non-conference teams? Or do you start to go, well, we're just going to go conference schedule only, and it's just SEC versus SEC all year long? I just don't know if you want to do that because, again, you know, you're, you're excluding those other markets. And, yeah, the dollars are coming in right now, and it's great. But, man, the, the college football playoff, like I said, you know, you, you lose interest if you're only saying we're going to have teams from the South. And, again, you know, like you said, you paint a rosy picture and say Oklahoma versus Alabama, that's great. But what happens if it's a down year and it's Florida versus, uh, I don't know, you know, Mississippi State or Ole Miss for a, for a national championship? It would just it would, it would lose a lot of eyeballs, a lot of attention, and I don't know if the big ad dollars want, want to put their name on something like that. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, joining us. Well, we do know, uh, obviously, that Texas and Oklahoma are coming in in, in the coming years, and you got to figure out – a schedule situation. Are there games, uh, you're not going to be able to keep them all, obviously. Are there games that you're willing to let go by the wayside versus others that you aren't when it comes to accommodating, uh, trying to play everybody more often? Absolutely. And, and look, this is where everybody in the SEC has to be team players here. Um, you know, some people have had to go on kicking and screaming away from their traditions and, and accustomed things that, that they like, but this is what change takes. And, you know, again, the promise of more money, you know, it sounds like, 
you know, when they, when they posed the idea of Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, even Texas A&M get, ended up getting on board with it. So, um, you know, you offer me more money, and I'm going to change my values a little bit or my moral stances on things. So this is what Ross Dellinger of SI kind of proposed earlier today. He said basically they're down to two kind of formats, either an eight-game SEC format where you keep one permanent crossover and seven rotating, or you go to a nine-game model where you have three and six. I kind of like the eight game because here's the deal, guys. I went with my wife this past year uh, up to Lexington, Kentucky, to see LSU play Kentucky. Uh, I'm an LSU grad. She's a Kentucky grad. Uh, we will talk about the results of the game. But what's most important is LSU hadn't been up there since 2007. I mean, it, it's ridiculous that we go that long with uh, an SEC team not visiting another team in football. So, look, give me the one permanent crossover. Give me seven rotating you know, opponents and have it change every year. It's also going to make it a more play, level playing field. I mean, look, everybody loves the Alabama-Tennessee you know, rivalry. It's one of the oldest. I get it. But nobody's benefited from that more than Alabama in, in recent years. I mean, there was one year where Alabama played in the East. They got uh, Tennessee and, and uh, Vanderbilt, and LSU's two East opponents were Florida, who's their permanent crossover, and Georgia. That's not a level playing field. That is an absolute travesty when you got one team in the same conference playing two Bulldogs like that and another one playing the two Softies. Now, look, part of that is Tennessee's fault. They've been uh, largely irrelevant the last decade. Hopefully that, you know, Josh Heupel's turning things around there. But, you know, that's where I think the permanent crossover is, is been, it's been a hindrance for, for some other schools. And so make it a more play, a level playing field. Rotate the seven opponents. One year you may play a tougher schedule. One year you may get a little bit more cupcake schedule. We'll see how it plays out, but I'd rather get it rotating a little bit more. But now, you know, in this conversation, it turns to you got to pick and choose who your permanent crossover is. For Auburn, you want to play Georgia or do you want to play Bama? Is the Iron Bowl the most important or is uh, the, the, you know, the oldest rivalry with Georgia the most important? I understand you're going to have to sacrifice some things. Some things are going to be given up. You'll still play those teams. It's just there might be a year or two where you don't, and that's the risk of bringing in a Texas and an Oklahoma. It's got to you've got to expand somehow, and something's got to be given up. But this is the sacrifice you made to make more money. And Chris, I mean, obviously earlier we was talking with you know we was talking with a guest. He was talking about this is about you know when 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 uh, Texas and I mean when Texas Oklahoma finally comes in. This is about the top eight versus the bottom eight. Now I think we all kind of know who the top two are. It's going to be some teams in that in that in that you know four to six range that's going to be thinking of that well, that four to eight range that's going to be thinking, hey, we probably should be in this top eight. But do you think sometimes in the SEC, as you mentioned, does Auburn want to play Georgia or does Auburn want to play Alabama? Well, they'll get the pick. Everybody in the SEC is not necessarily bringing any you know eyes to the SEC that still may be thinking they're better of a program than they actually are at this point. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Like, if I'm a Florida and they say, who, who, which permanent opponent do you want? If I'm Florida, I go Vandy. That's who I want. That's my permanent. Uh, that's my permanent opponent. Rotate me on all the rest. Um, yeah, you're gonna. You're, there's gonna be a, have to be some give and take here, and how you figure all this out and figure out who's who's the permanent opponent and all that. Again, I I, I wasn't that you know, down on the the uh, talk of the four teams four pod system, and you know you you put four teams and in a pod, and you say those are your three opponents you play every year, and then all the rest rotate. But, again, I, I just feel like, man, we're going to add Texas. We're going to have add Oklahoma. Let's say you're uh, – let's just say you're the South Carolina Gamecocks, and you get to play at Oklahoma in year one. 
well, based on the scheduling and adding two more teams, you may not go back to Norman, Oklahoma for 15 years. And I just think that's silly. Like, we, we have to change up the rotation of this and make it a more level, uh, you know, even playing field. So, so Chris, again, I, 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 only, I only keep bringing this up because we talked to Georgia fans who are like, look, got to play Florida. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Auburn, oldest rivalry. Obviously, you would say Tennessee, and I, go, I, I realize you have, that's why I've been bringing this up. Like, you have to sacrifice something, but what are the protected games? Like, obviously, there are certain games I would feel like if they're not played every year, the SEC would probably say no. Like, if, when they come in, obviously, the Red River rivalry's got to be there. I would imagine the, the Iron Bowl is you have to have that, right? Georgia-Florida, you have to have that. I, I, I would imagine those are some hills you die on, I guess, if you're in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, you really gotta you really gotta prioritize what's most important. I think some people would say the the cocktail party and the Iron Bowl. Um, and I'm sorry, I think Auburn Georgia might have to go. You'll still see each other. It just won't be every year as a permanent. Um, you know, Alabama Tennessee is that does that make most sense for both of those teams to keep as the permanent? You know, you bring up the Red River Shootout between Oklahoma and Texas, but what about Texas and Texas A&M? Wouldn't we want to see them as a permanent crossover and play it every year? Or, I'm sure they'll both go kicking and screaming at that idea, but yeah, there's just there's so many options and so many great traditions and rivalries in the SEC. I just as much as it stinks, and look, I'm a I'm a man who loves who loves the tradition. I love all the pageantry and everything about the SEC, but I just like I said, I think one of these things has to change to make it a little bit more level. And again, I think it'll work in the benefit of some teams some years. I think there might be a year, you know, if you're Georgia and you look at your schedule and go, man, we don't have to play. You know, we don't have to play A&M. We don't have to play Oklahoma. We don't have to play Texas this year. Yeah, sign me up for that. That'll be a great schedule once, you know, once everything gets crossed and, and um, you know, and set with the new conference. So you know, there'll be some years where it works in your favor, some years where it doesn't. But, again, I, I'm with you. It's almost like you've got to get everybody in a, big, in a big room. And maybe we set up a big roundtable of SEC aficionados. We get Chris Lowe. We get Paul Feinbaum. We get Ben Troop in there. We get a big group of SEC people, uh, Cole Kublick, and everybody votes on it and says, all right, what rivalries, what permanent crossovers do we absolutely have to have? Um, because I think that's, that's, hot. that's the only way you can make this thing work. And, Chris, I mean, when you think about the SEC, I mean, from the games uh, to, the, you know, to the teams, you talk about the rivalries. I mean, the college football world, everything is looking at the SEC. Greg Sankin, the most powerful man in college football right now. Nick Saban, the best coach in college football. Going back and forth about talking about NIL, talking about Texas A&M, talking about Jimbo. When you think about everything going on with the SEC, who's ever doing the marketing? I mean, good, right, wrong, indifferent. I mean, they're getting the eyes with no football in sight for the next 100 days. Well, that's what I loved about Greg Sankey's public reprimand, uh, quote-unquote, last week of Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher. It was just like, come on, really? Like, I'm sure Greg Sankey's laughing as he sends it out because he knows this is tremendous and an otherwise dead time for our sport. You know, it became the biggest. It was the lead story on Sports Center, First Take, and all the ESPN shows. Like literally, everybody in the country was talking about it. The NBA playoffs didn't even lead Sports Center. It was Jimbo versus Saban. So, uh, you know, I laughed at that, and then I laughed again where Jimbo did a sit-down interview in San Antonio yesterday after Greg Sankey said, "Shut up, don't say anything else about this." And there's Jimbo yapping again about uh, we never paid players. In fact. Of my 11 early enrollees, I found out only one of them had an NIL deal. I'm just going, dude, just shut up. Like, nobody's buying this. Nobody believes it. We know how you did it. Just shut up and keep your mouth shut and say, hey, we just did a hell of a job, didn't we? Wink, wink, and move on with your day. We all know what, what happened. You can't admit to it, but 
him taking this firm stance and saying, yeah, only one player out of his 11 early enrollees have an NIL deal, that's great, Jimbo. Check back with me in August and tell me how many of them have NIL deals. I guarantee all of them will have something. And, again, it's okay. That's how the system is set up right now. Take advantage of it. But stop trying to be holier than now and say, like, we've never paid a player in our day. Somebody's going to come along and, you know, they're going to clean out their closet and you're going to find out the truth and find out you're a little bit dirtier than you're letting on. Yeah, no, don't start casting stones. A lot of glass houses uh, out there as well. Chris, uh, Gordy locked on SEC podcast. Noise. To that end, obviously, Saban and Jimbo are going to be at the meetings. Obviously, SEC media days. Uh, talking about NIL, when, when you look at it, just finally your thoughts on that whole topic. Uh, is it overblown nationally with what it is? I know Ben says, look, if you really dig, not that many guys are getting something. And at the end of the day, are we still figuring out the market, i.e., uh, yeah, there may be opportunities, but if there's no ROI for just handing out five, ten thousand dollars to kids, then obviously that that market's going to dry up. Yeah, I, I've come around on it. My, I've changed my mind here the last couple weeks. I was of the mindset we shouldn't be having you know boosters paying recruits and all this kind of stuff. And you know, my co-host on my show in Houston, he's a former uh, player and he's got a kid who's a recruit right now, and he kind of talked me into it and said, "Look, let it play out. Let these boosters pay." You know, whatever it is, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the recruits. He goes, you know why? Not every four- and five-star recruit pans out. And some of those recruits who got the money, they may never make it to the NFL. This might be their only big payday you know, as an athlete. They may be you know, doctors, lawyers, or running their own business you know, five, ten years from now. Let them go get their payday and let that booster, that investment that they make, backfire. And I think what you're going to see is a lot more of these boosters come back down to earth and say, well, look, you remember that $100,000 check I cut for that uh, five-star we got? Yeah, let's, uh, let's back on the, off that. How about I just give you $20,000 and we just spread it around across the recruiting class? I think you're going to see more of that kind of stuff come to fruition because, again, you're going to have kids or, or these boosters that are sitting at their country club right now bragging to their buddies, hey, we got the number one recruiting class. Isn't that awesome? I think they're going to see it's not going to pan out like they think, especially with the transfer portal right now. I mean – I'm looking at A&M specifically. They signed all these four- and five-star safeties. Well, Damani Richardson comes back for his senior year. That's an extra spot that one of those big stud recruits isn't going to play this year. Are they going to sit behind that guy and wait their turn and not say a peep? Maybe, and maybe that will work out great for him. But i got to feel a lot of these kids are going to hit the transfer portal, and a lot of these boosters are going to be turning around and saying, hey, what did I pay for here? And it will come back down to earth, and we'll have some kind of normalcy with it. But, yeah, I'm kind of now of the mindset of let's let this thing play out. Let's see the negative effects uh, come back on it rather than complaining about the uh, unfair benefits of it right now. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast. Our guest, uh, Chris, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Chris Gordy joining us here on 3 and Out. And, again, those SEC meetings next week in Destiny talked about, obviously, the various potential scheduling models for the SEC. And he said, look, everybody's got to pick and choose. And – then at some schools, that's going to be harder than others, right? I mean, if you're Missouri, you don't have the track record uh, that most schools do. Like, who does Missouri have a true out-and-out rivalry with in football right now? Maybe Kentucky? I'm I'm saying that being serious. Mm -hmm. Who who do they have an outright rivalry with? Arkansas, obviously with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and some of the Southwest Conference. Who do you have? Obviously, Texas A&M, Arkansas has been played in Jerry World, right? We've seen that. Uh, a couple years. What are you What are you willing to give up, right? Because you just can't say, well, I, I've got four rivals. And I think 
It really touches fan bases like your Georgias, like your Auburns, like your Floridas, who touch a number of different states, have, you know, rivalries with a number of different schools, real, actual, you know, rivalries, and you're going to have to give some of them up. And Chris said, look, he probably, what he just said is probably blasphemous to all the Bulldog fans listening. He's like, look, maybe Georgia-Auburn has to go. And not every, it's not like it's gone forever, but you just can't play them every year. It's every two years or every three years. And you're just going to have to deal with it. Well, That's yeah. the cost of expansion. And I know there's a lot of Georgia. I know this because I've talked to a lot of them since all this. It's like, oh, you got to play Georgia. you got to play Auburn and Florida every year. I don't know that that's going to be able to happen. Certainly not if you say, and Tennessee. Like, you, that, that you cannot do that and be able to play everybody on a regular basis. And I think that's the hard part. We'll come back and talk more about it. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin and Ben. Again, SEC uh, with their meetings next week in Destin. And again, a lot of talk with David Waters. We had Chris Gordy on today talking about the scheduling and what games you're able to get. And, and Ben, I think the the games you're, I'm not able to let go in the SEC would be, obviously, Georgia, Florida, the Iron Bowl, mm-hmm. The Egg Bowl, I get because that's just an in-state rivalry that yeah. uh, seems to you know it needs to stay. Um, and the Red River Shootout. Outside of that, I don't I don't know that there's any other game yeah. that if it doesn't happen, I I can't get over. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's not gonna be weird, like not see Georgia play Auburn or Florida not play LSU or if the third Saturday in October. Well, it may have to be the every other third Saturday in October. I, I I don't know. But again, I just know that there's no way to keep it all together. And, yeah. and, and again, this is what, you, what happens when you have the it just means more, right? It just means more. Why? Because there are certain games where we at, we're at it. Hey, George Auburn, we at it. We're at each other's throats, man. We want it. Why? We know each other. We went to high school together. We played some crossover stuff. We went to camps and combines together. Our Some of our fans live in Georgia. Some of our fans live in Alabama. It makes for great rivalry games. But as you expand and get bigger, you just cannot do it, right? You just can't keep it together. So I'm interested to see what they talk about because there's been some talk about, hey, maybe they've kind of cooled on the pod system. I think the <laughs> I think the one common seven rotator, man, that is tough. Not because it doesn't get you around, but it's like, again, I think there's multiple schools that would say, no, like that, because what's Vanderbilt going to do? We want Tennessee. Okay, well, that just locked in Tennessee to say Tennessee and Vandy are playing every year. So that kills Tennessee-Bama. That kills Tennessee-Georgia. That kills Tennessee-Florida. Right there. If you do that model. So I I don't know how you do it and and protect some of these things that have become just annual traditions in SEC football. I don't know of any other conference outside of maybe the Big Ten who has the game uh, that's played at the end of the season. Anything else? Florida, Florida State's not played on a dedicated weekend, right? Florida State, uh, Miami. So excuse me, Florida State, Miami's not. Georgia Tech, Clemson's not played on a dedicated weekend. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State's not played on a dedicated weekend. You have games that are defined by the weekend, right? Florida, Georgia. I don't. You may not know the exact date, but you know Halloween's nearby, right? <laughs> right. You. It's either before or after the game. Uh, you know, trick-or-treating's involved, and then Florida and Georgia are going to play. So, I mean, to me, the SEC has more games that are defined by the day they are played and the time that they are played than any other conference out there. And, again, that's going to have to change. Now, can you keep Florida-Georgia 
where it's at? Probably, if that's the only game you're worried about. You know, so, uh, Ben, as, as somebody who played in the SEC, who's come out of the SEC, you understand what fans are about in that league. How many of these games are going to be tough to just not see every year? As, as you said, look, you played Auburn every year. That doesn't happen anymore. And you got over it. So, how much of this is just, it's going to happen, you're going to have to get over it. You have to swallow it and get over it. It's, it's going to be a huge part uh, when you first start thinking about it because I think, I mean, Kevin, when, as a fan base, you think that, unfortunately, what you want matters. Now, it does, but it doesn't. It does from a standpoint of, yes, the Greg Sankey and the powers that be understand, we want to make sure we're giving you quality football. What they what they consider quality football, you might not consider it. As you mentioned, Kevin, Florida, Georgia has earned. We're talking about games that have earned even either statewide, you know what I'm saying, esteem or nationwide esteem. So you talk about Florida, Georgia, talk about the Red River rivalry. We talk about the Iron Bowl. That might be three of the biggest. The Iron Bowl might be the biggest game outside of maybe Army Navy in college football. Every it's nationally uh recognized. Now, when you start talking about the Egg Bowl, now you really start talking about tradition. You don't take that away from you think about you think about the state of Mississippi. What do they have if you take <laughs> yeah, that away means the, egg the bowl? most, yeah. Right? Certain things you don't just take it away. Right? And obviously, when you talk we you know, I mean when you start when you start talking about, you know, uh, you know, certain certain games, I think I think what it is is people be saying, All right, you got the you know, you got you got Florida, Georgia, you know, you got the Egg Bowl, you know, you got the Iron Bowl, you got the Red River Rock, you got certain you got certain games. People start saying, Okay, well where does that leave certain schools? Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to get used to the fact that it's gonna be new rivalries coming in, right? Texas and Oklahoma, they're gonna have to earn their rivalries in the SEC. They're gonna have to earn their way through it. And it's this not even national this not even about winning it all, right? Like, Tennessee is respecting the SEC. They ain't want it all in a minute. For all you Georgia fans say, oh, okay, Tennessee and Georgia, what, got the same number of natties since, since what, 98, 99, right? That's to say that they, they are, but they are still part of college football fabric. Texas A&M ain't. Uh, Ole Miss ain't. Mississippi State ain't. Kentucky ain't. Vanderbilt ain't. South Carolina, I think, is. But South Carolina ain't won that championship in a long time. I don't even think it's about winning the national championship. There isn't a better game in the SEC every year now than Texas A&M uh, LSU. It is, it is amazing. Excuse me. But I think that when we start talking about these games, it is going to be disappointing, Kevin. You know it, just like I know it. But hopefully, man, uh, the, the the quote blue blood traditional yeah. games will 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 stand the test. I'm time. interested to see what comes out of it, but I know there's games that are probably oh, not yeah. willing to compromise on, and some of the other ones that are really good, really good rivalries might have to take a, a semi annual back seat for the greater good of an expanded 16 team SEC. We got more to come here. It's three and out Southern Pigskin. Right. Welcome back, three and out on this Tuesday. Appreciate Chris Gordy, a Locked On SEC podcast, joining us. Also, David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us. If you missed any of the show, go to uh, ESPNCoastal.com. You can go to our YouTube channel as well and get uh, anything you may have missed here on 3 and Out. Phillies and Braves tonight. Braves got to get that mustard. It seems like Max Freed pitches every time they need one of these, uh, Ben. But Braves tonight going with Max Freed. Going to try to get a, a dub and hopefully I'll put him in a position to win the series on Wednesday. But this is a Braves team. Mets keep winning. Braves have got to win here in a weaker portion of the schedule. Now nine games behind the Mets. Got your ace on the mind with Max Freed. Hopefully we get back to that winning ways. Hopefully this Braves 
you know, I line up, you know, I get get back to them, I get back to the, you know, uh, to them big bats, Kevin. And hopefully, I mean, they just playing with poise, playing with aggression. But I mean, they playing with a sense of urgency and they enjoying it. I don't want to. I don't. I told you, I don't want this break scene to be this business oriented. Have fun, but get a bit, but get a dub tonight. Absolutely. So uh, again, we'll have uh, Max Fried versus Kyle Gibson coming up here in just a little bit. Pre-game coverage going to start in seven minutes. So don't go anywhere, and we will have Braves and Phillies for you. Game two of that three-game series. Braves trying to get a big win. If they can if they can pull off, they need to put together some wins, Ben. I keep saying it every day. Hopefully, I'm not saying it again tomorrow. We'll see you then on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio.